Welcome into the Sports Block Podcast for this week. Nathan Stacking here with you, and I want to apologize for the last week not having a podcast. I had a lot of stuff going on. Noah had his tonsils quote-unquote clean. That's what we call them. Uh, we didn't say that they got R-E-M-O-V-E-D, so that's well, that's the good thing. And Travis Crins joins me here as always, sports director at KORN Radio in Mitchell. Uh, Travis, how are you doing? Good. Did you ever have your tonsils out? Try mine out. I did. Like first grade, maybe we did it over the Christmas break. Oh, that sucks. You didn't even get to miss any school then. No. Yeah, that's they kind of snuck that one on me. So, um, yeah. No, I never had my tonsils removed or cleaned or anything like that. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess I'm fortunate in that regard. Noah is. Uh, we kept saying, "Oh, you get all this ice cream and uh, popsicles and stuff," and he's a big popsicle fan, even to you know, to begin with. But uh, he's not really taken to the ice cream. It's all on the. It's all about the yogurt and the yogurt. Uh, the popsicles and the pudding. Those are the those are his three main uh, diet staples here right now over the last week. Good. Yeah, yogurt. Big fan of yogurt. Oh, yeah, I love yogurt, too. Put a little granola, a little whipped cream in there, or cool whip. Yeah, mm. good stuff. Yeah, good. very, very good. Uh, you know, came... I, I was, I was, when you called me, I was busy rearranging a bunch of boxes oh. in my bathroom when you called me, so I have to put that on hold here for a bit. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Got, you know, some very important tax documents I had just sitting by the, by the old throne, yeah. um, you know. Board certificates, important papers that I had. A lot of a lot of box scores too that you probably shouldn't own yeah. that could uh, affect some uh, security for a team, right? I like to keep those by the shower in the toilet. So, so something to read, something that's an easy access to read uh, when when you're there for for time. So. Well, it's a perfect time to do it. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. And plus, if you run out of toilet paper, then you can just use it, right? Yeah, you know, you take uh, take something that uh, is very very important and just uh, wipe it, wipe your ass with it. <laughs> very good. Well, you know what? Uh, there's, I think you could wipe your ass with a few streamers if you're in Denver today, as the Denver oh. Nuggets are uh, the NBA champions. I'm not going to toot my own horn because I didn't have them winning at the outset of the playoffs, but I did pick them to win this series in five games. They won it in five games. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say game, really, I thought, you know, the entire series was, was overall better than I expected. Miami was, uh, game in just about every one of these series, I think ever in each one of these games, I think they, in fact, they were, and they had a big lead in game five. And you thought maybe they were going to force a game six back in Miami on, uh, later this week. Didn't happen. Denver comes back. They win 94-89, win the series. Nikola Jokic, MVP, rightfully so. What he's doing is just uncanny. The Nuggets uh, feel you know very good for them. Uh, but uh, it was, I thought it was a very, for the most part, it, it was an entertaining series. At least the games were close for the most part. Yeah, games were close, and that was kind of the theme of his playoffs where Denver would win. You know, the Lakers series was close with it being a sweep. Well, it turns out, you know, I guess the Suns were their toughest challenge going mm-hmm. to six games. Mm-hmm. They were on the team to beat them twice. And I don't, like, I don't know if you call it like, the disrespect of it, but like the media didn't know how to handle Denver mm-hmm. because it was all about the other team. 
they would always talk about, oh, uh, Jimmy Butler's not playing well. The Miami Heat aren't playing well. What's wrong with the Miami Heat? Well, maybe it's because they're playing a good team in Denver. It seems like teams that play Denver don't play very well because they lose all the time. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's the theme of it, that Denver's really good. Maybe and people maybe they have to win two or three titles for people to say, oh, this is a really good team. So maybe this is just their, you know, a one-time deal. We'll see. Yeah. But, yeah, Jokic is a guy that isn't, oh, isn't exciting or isn't using him to talk much. He isn't, you know, did you he's see, a superstar, I think, did, but he's not going to, you know. Did you see him not, popping, like, a champagne bottle in the yeah. locker room? And it was just like, yeah, okay, yeah, this is fun. And he was just drinking a beer. It's like, yeah, this. he said, I'm looking forward to going home or something along those yes. lines after that. Like, he's not going to go on a big, like, binger or anything like that. Um, I, I think he is a star. I mean, he's doing things, Grins, that I don't think I've ever seen from a center. Like, this is stuff that I don't want to necessarily put him in this category, but I'm going to. This is almost Wilt Chamberlain-esque to a degree, right? Like, just with the way he's able to dominate and fill up the box score. Rebounds, assists, points. I mean, he's just... He does it all. Of course, he has more mid-range... That, or he has more range than Wilt did, but Wilt didn't have a you know the three-point shot at all. It's just... his. He's got an all-around complete game. Like, not only for a center, but for anybody. Yes. To do... Yep. You know, any any six foot guard, six six guard, whoever, mm-hmm. don't average triple doubles over the course of a series. You know, thirty points, like seventeen or fourteen rebounds, seven assists in the finals, and you probably shoot more than he does. He could probably average thirty five points. Yeah, like in, in in the modern day NBA, or like since we've been alive and you know cognizant of the NBA, there are two guys. When I aside from Jokic. That when I hear like triple double, I immediately think of Russell Westbrook because he got them a bunch, and Jason Kidd. He would be oh. you know the assist man. Those are the two guys, and they were point guards. This guy is a center, doing everything. Like like I said, he can he can go outside, shoot a three. He can go inside. He drive in. He passes so good. I mean, there's one pass. I think it was game. Was it game two? Yeah, I think it was game two. It was just a little touch pass there. He got it and quickly batted it over to, um, I think it was Aaron Gordon. I mean, it's just incredible what this guy can do. Those other guys are point guards, and it's impressive when they get double-digit rebounds. But, I mean, what Jokic is doing and what he did this postseason is unreal. Look at LeBron here. He's his first title against Oklahoma City in 2012. LeBron averaged 28, 10, and 7, which is pretty what, almost exactly what Jokic did. Jokic averaged, what, maybe a point and a half more. Mm-hmm. And kind of LeBron's, the big thing of his career in Golden State, he averaged 29, 11, and 8. So, yeah, very, LeBron and him have very comparable numbers to what, what he did in the finals. Sure, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they're all, uh, very comparable to LeBron. And hopefully they win more than one. You know, they're they're a younger team. Yep. Hopefully they, you know, they've got a couple of a couple of stars, and they've got a bunch of other, you know, three, four other pieces of those complimentary guys, which which you seem like you kind of need 
to win it all. Yep. Oh, and, I'm, and I think they will. I think I, I tweeted it out last night. You know, I'm kind of you know the prisoner of the moment sometimes when it comes to this sort of deal. I'm the guy who famously said Rory McIlroy is going to chase down Tiger's uh, career majors. Listen, well, you know what? He still could, I guess, but it doesn't seem very likely. But this Nuggets team, to me, does have a bit of a dynasty-esque feel to it because Jokic is as good as he is. If Jamal Murray can stay healthy, I mean, that's probably the reason why they didn't win it last year or get further is because he had a torn ACL from in the bubble a couple years ago. Like, there's... There's re- and you know if Porter can get a little better, uh, Aaron Gordon is certainly very good, and that's the thing about this win in the in the NBA Finals here for the Nuggets is that it wasn't just Jokic; it was Aaron Gordon having a career playoff higher a, a season a playoff season high of 27 points. What was that in Game Four or Game yeah. Three? Bruce Brown coming off the bench for 21 points. Jamal Murray, when he had a bad game, those other guys stepped up. Form. I mean, Porter uh, in Game Five, he had arguably his best game of the of the finals when they needed it the most because they were trailing for large parts, and he helped kind of get him back in it. Especially when Jokic was out with two fouls early in the first quarter and into the and kept sitting into the second. I guess I mean I guess like the guy I. I don't like to compare him to the, to the Spurs. I like to compare him to the Spurs because they've got. Got there, Tim Duncan, who's not very exciting, but he's very good. Mm-hmm. And then we got a couple other guys around him who are all stars, mm-hmm. and they're, they're a very deep team. So LeBron's about forty. Uh, Golden State, they're getting older. Yep. Okay, can Sacramento maintain what they did? Is you know, are they going to take a, a, the next step? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Memphis, they've got their own issues. Phoenix with so, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. Yeah, and then, you know, Phoenix always comes up short, and Durant's always hurts. And now they got rid of Chris Paul, so maybe that will take him over the top. <laughs> I mean, Chris Paul's 38, and he will see if he's back, and he always gets hurt in the playoffs, even if he's there, he's not going to play. Mm-hmm. Then you got uh, Webb and Yama with the Spurs. We'll see how that develops. But yeah, the time is now for them to control the West here for a little bit. You'd say them and the Suns heading into next year. And then in the East, you've got you know, Milwaukee and Boston and Philadelphia. Same old teams there. And they all kind of poo pooed the bed here. Mm-hmm. But you know, I like, you know, you'd like to see a Denver, Boston, Denver, Milwaukee final just to see, just to see how that would go. Yep, um, you know, and even with Philadelphia getting Nick Nurse, um, yeah. like that to me is a bit of a puzzling pick for them. I, 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 he's a great coach. I, I like him as a head coach, but then you start hearing about oh, he likes to play his starters a lot of minutes. Well, is that gonna fit with Joel Embiid, who constantly gets hurt? Like James Harden is is as good as gone as, as far as I'm concerned from that. Uh, side of it, but I don't think Philadelphia is maybe going to be as good as they were. Boston's got a lot of soul searching to do after losing to Miami, and who knows what the Heat could do. I mean, it's I don't know how much of a difference Tyler Hero would have made in this series, but he certainly would have been an additional scoring factor for him that could hit from the outside because Max Drew and um, Gabe, Vin- Gabe Vincent just were way into consistent or maybe played their best leading into the NBA Finals and certainly didn't have it for when it mattered most. Because you had, like, 
like these undrafted guys or these these guys that you know were just you know, these random guys that nobody else wanted. That like Caleb Martin, mm-hmm. well, he didn't have any big games like he did. Like you know, he had the big game or big games in the Eastern Conference Finals. He was outstanding against Boston, but didn't do much in the finals. That's probably what you get when you get guys who are not you know they're probably playing a little bit over their heads. Mm-hmm. And you know, like, well, they, they weren't quite as good as I thought they were. So and even game, I, I like yeah. I like the I like Game Five because it wasn't one thirty two to one twenty five. Yes. Yep. Well, they didn't score hundred points. It was like eighty ninety points. Kind of reminded me of back in the nineties. You know, mid you know maybe late nineties. It was you'd have a game in the low nineties where it wasn't all about the three point shooting. It wasn't all about you know, just, just jacking up a bunch of threes. So, well, I think the it's kind most... of old school game. Sometimes the shots wouldn't go down. It seemed like defensively, like, you know, this was an important game. Miami needed to win, and Denver wanted to close this thing out. So, I th- there was some intensity to, to these games. I think the highest combined point total in this series was 219, and that was in game two when Miami won 111-108. So, even that's not that high score. I mean, that's not that high scoring compared to other games we've seen in... Uh, in the NBA this year, certainly in the in the playoffs. Um, going back to Denver here, Christian Braun um, and from Kansas won a national championship with them, uh, and he won a bunch of uh, titles in high school, I guess, and now he wins a title here with Denver in his first year. He played an intricate role at various times here in the finals, so they got someone in him. Uh, Colin Gillespie, I forgot, was... Uh, it was on the team, so they have a lot of good talent there, a lot of good pieces for years to come. But congrats to Braun. That's one of the, the really interesting things. He wins a, a championship with Kansas and then wins with uh, wins with Denver here this year. Yeah, some of those guys that you don't expect and you know, guys that you need to get better, younger guys that don't have to do anything now, but maybe they – They'll probably get more of an opportunity to play next year. So, yeah, they're just a very deep team. And, yeah, they should be maybe the favorite in the West next year, them in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, like the ratings were okay. I mean, like $11.5 million it looked like for, for a lot of those games, which is – Better than I, I thought would, there would be. Yeah, they weren't under 10, so I think they were comparable to last year. So, yeah, good for Jokic and Murray and good for what the coach – Mike Malone and all those guys. So, and may I just say, Sam Crocky, what an owner! What I was, was going to bring him up next, so I'm glad I'm you did. I'm surprised we we had not mentioned him in this entire run up. I'm like, oh yeah, second, the second third grandfather owns the team. <laughs> and, uh, I, I we never some, mentioned him at all. Yeah, I gave him some dap here for this run in the blog uh, on, on Tuesday uh, here. I mean, yeah, let's just go over it. Rams win the Super Bowl in 2022. Uh, last year then, and I guess technically still within that calendar year, uh, the Colorado Avalanche win the Stanley Cup, the the Colorado Mammoth of the of lacrosse league, some, some bullshit. I don't like, I'm not saying lacrosse is bullshit, but it's some weird league. I don't think, is it Major League Lacrosse? I don't even know. But uh, he owns that team. They won a championship. Uh, and then the Nuggets win it this year. Like this, he is on a hot streak. I would, you know, just go to Vegas and put a hundred million dollars on uh, double zeros. Let's see what you roll here. 
Yeah, he owns all these other minor league teams and soccer teams, and his wife is one of the heirs to Walmart. Yes, yep. So there's that, and then the Walmart people on the Broncos now, yep. so his family, is his in-laws, I guess, own the Broncos. So, yeah, it's, it's weird. Weird how that works out. And, yeah, you two won, won three of the big ones who wants to own a baseball team, but... What do you, what uh, do you, all this the last couple years. What do you think they get each other for Christmas and birthdays? Like, how, what could you possibly do? Like a plane. <laughs> you have so much money. Like, you know, oh, cool, a watch or a tie. Like, do you just go on trips, like, experience it? Like, you have so much money. What could you possibly get someone for Christmas that would be like, oh, cool, thanks. Like, a sweater? Like, what What are we doing here? Yeah, probably go on trips. Buy a yacht. Like yeah, it's just crazy. I, I have my, you know, feelings on Stan Kroenke, but I can't deny what a, a fantastic run he's on and fantastic job he's done, and uh, you know, the hiring of these guys. And I wonder too, was it Tim Connolly, the the big the, the head guy with the Nuggets, who left town for the Timberwolves and did the Rudy Gobert trade? I wonder how he's feeling today. Why can't the Timberwolves do it? Oh my right, God. Good. You know, but, yeah, I mean, you need a player like Jokic. What was he, the 41st pick of the draft when he was drafted? So you need to get lucky and get yourself a Hall of Famer. And let's never forget, he was drafted during a Taco Bell commercial. Yes, here he is. Some random dude nobody's ever heard of. Some fat seven-footer. <laughs> Best player in the world, so... You need a little bit of luck when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. So. For sure. But uh, congrats to the Nuggets on, on winning the championship. And, I, you know, you kind of feel like it's there's, there's more to come here with this team. But uh, obviously... It, it's good. They're, not, they're not a super team. They didn't trade for a superstar. They yep. drafted a bunch of guys. Yep. No, they, they traded for Aaron Gordon, who's like the third or fourth best player. They drafted Murray, Jokic. They drafted uh, Michael Porter. So it's kind of like Golden State before they got Durant. Yes. And, you know, the Lakers, they always trade for guys. Celtics. Celtics are kind of homegrown guys. We know when they traded for Garnett and, you know, and Ray Allen. But mm-hmm. it's good to see. Because I, I hate, I think most people hate the, the title jumpers. And Yes. You know, it, it sucks. You know, I like Durant, but it sucks that he... He did what I don't blame him for doing. It's like, yeah, go there. He got a pretty good shot doing a title. Yep. And the NBA, more than any other sport, you need to win a championship. But it's clear he isn't the guy on these teams. Like, he has to have help. You know, I would argue, like, Jokic is a bigger, is more important to his team than Kevin Durant is to his teams. You know what I mean? Because Jokic was able to put all these stats. Like, he's the reason why Denver was as great as they were this year. And don't get me wrong, Kevin Durant's great, but what has his greatness done to help a team? Nothing. I know the city always fell short. Brooklyn was awful. Um, that didn't work out. And he made Golden State better, better, but they had already... Yeah, and he, had, he, and he could do it with Phoenix still, because, I mean, he's got Devin Booker, but... I mean, he Golden State had already won a championship or two with 
out him. It's not yeah. like he was the difference maker for that. He just made them more lethal. So it, it, I'm not giving him any credit at all for helping lead the Warriors to additional titles. And, and you kind of mentioned it earlier. Like People have a hard time saying, oh, is Jokic this Hall of Famer, even though he's still somewhat early in his career? And is he really one of the best ever in this and that? And people have, like, a hard time accepting that or going there. Like, I don't, like, what else do you want him to do? Does he have to win a couple more titles? And Well, and how, how I don't, do you... I don't know because he's from Serbia or because he looks the way he does or he, he's not American or he's not this or, or because he was a second-round pick. I, I don't know all of those reasons of why people are like... Like, if Victor Wembenyama does this and he wins a title... After his fifth, sixth year, you're like, oh, yeah, well, we expected this. He's a great, he, he turned out to be what we expected. And it's like, well, we don't. It's kind of like the Brock Purdy thing of, well, he wasn't supposed to be good, but he's doing well. Mm-hmm. And Jokic, yeah, so something like that. Well, and again, it's like, how do you categorize Jokic? That's why I, I don't mean to compare him necessarily to Walt Chamberlain, but I'm just trying to think of another big guy that's able to, was that's able to put up these statistics as consistent as Jokic's, and like it's you know I don't know did Bill Russell do a lot of that stuff? I mean Magic no. I guess did some you know he had some a lot of good stats from you know over the years, but the the consistency it just to me it it screams Wilt Chamberlain, and that that's what I think of. I I, I don't know if can you put Jokic in a category all on his own? Perhaps you know, and then you're we're gonna start comparing other guys to Jokic, but right now I would kind of put him in that that error with with Wilt Chamberlain. Wilt Chamberlain's better than Jokic, don't get me wrong. Here I'm not I'm not going that crazy, but I do think there is something to be said that he, he they kind of need to be in the same breath right now. I, I go with LeBron because of those very very that's true. Yep. Lebrons. Yep. Okay. That that's a, that's a LeBron, probably LeBron better. LeBron like 6'10 or whatever he is. 6'9, 6'8. So, I go more, I, I guess, from the, the center. Yeah, I guess I go more from the five spot. Uh, which, and, but. Yeah, from the seven spot, I don't think we've never seen anything like that. So, yeah. and it, it's good. I don't know what his numbers are, but I don't think he shoots like seven threes a game. So he, because you know things just got out of hand with three point shot and continues to be out of hand. Mm-hmm. So I like when something. Something pulls it back the other way a little bit. It's like, all right, you can win a different way instead of shooting 33s a game. For sure. You don't need, you don't need that. So congratulations again to the Denver Nuggets on winning the NBA championship. Stanley Cup final going on here right now. Also, yeah. like, we don't need sideline reporters anymore. No? We've done this for, what, 20, 25, 30 years now. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get rid of them, but it just struck me how useless they are. Yeah. And we've got these, what, these between-quarter interviews now with these coaches. Mm-hmm. And some of them give one, two-word answers. And once in a while, there's a funny moment. I don't need any of this. We don't need... We don't need these coaches or players' interviews. They don't add anything. We've done this long enough. When does somebody say, you know what? Let's get rid of this. Yeah. You hear you know, ESPN and all these, all these you know, networks cutting workers. And all. Why don't we cut the sideline reporting? I, I don't cut, cut them out of the deal because 
They don't, I mean, when Lisa Salter said, yeah, I'd never seen Jokic play before. Then she's out there interviewing him during this series. It's like, I can't take you seriously. Like, you're the lead sideline reporter for the number one team. Mm-hmm. And then you admit a couple months ago, yeah, I've never seen this guy before. I've never... It's like, really? You never saw him on TV before? She was pretty vital with the regards to the Bengals-Bills, um, you know, the DeMar sure, Hamlin like game that. and stuff. But, you know, in the situation, it's nice to have somebody, maybe have somebody down there, but no, no more coaches' interviews for football or basketball. You don't, I don't need to hear what the coach has to say. Going into halftime, going out of halftime. Sometimes they talk to him off camera and they say, yeah, I talked to Coach Bill Belichick. Here's what he said. Said he took a piss at halftime and he hopes to do better. In the second I, half. I think if you're ever going to do a, a coaching interview, it's got to be at the half, like going into the half. Like what, what, what are we doing? We're not going to learn anything. Coach, you're down 21. What has to change? The questions are terrible. Like, well, what's, what's got to get better? Well, I don't know. We haven't stopped them yet. They've scored seven touchdowns. Uh, I don't know. Maybe stop them on the yeah. defensive side once in a while. Like, what are they going to ask them? Oh, your offense. What, what's what do you what do you got to do better to get the offense going? It's like Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, what do you think they're? Oh, yeah, fucking quarterbacks two of two of twelve. We got I don't know. Been sacked twelve times. Maybe fucking block for him. Just what a these stupid questions. Waste of time. Doesn't bring anything to goddamn anything. What I've liked over the past couple of years, they've talked to more baseball players during the during the game mm-hmm. we'll see him walk to a first baseman outfielder and that's at least at the very least it's entertaining to talk to them yep but other than that you know like manager interviews during baseball games get rid of this crap yeah unless the questions get better I don't know this is a waste of time I would agree that like even in the Stanley Cup final aspect oh I got it you know you know, go to the benches and stuff. Oh, oh, oh. Coach, you got five minutes. You're down one. What are you, what are you gonna do? Oh, we got a fucking what, score. That's what we gotta do. What do you like? The, how do you like the pace of the game so far? Oh, pace is good. You know, we got we got oh, a few more shots on net and blah blah blah. I would like to say just one last thing on the game five here. I'm really glad that the Nuggets won because a it means the NBA season's done. But also, Jimmy Butler hits. He, he shoots a three there late in the fourth quarter. He goes on a, on a heater. Jimmy Butler, like he had, what, 11, 13 points in a row, something like that? But he shot a three, and he kicks Aaron Gordon in the in the jewels, and, and Denver challenges it, and they still call the foul on Gordon. Now, I'm guessing it's because they didn't, he didn't necessarily give him a spot to land, but Butler's the one who kicks his leg out and hits him square in the ding-ding. Like, what? How was that a follow on Gordon? Like, if, if the Nuggets had lost that game by, like, two or three, you could go back and look at that call. Also, I mean, the Nuggets missed a lot of free throws, but that was a very questionable call uh, for them to not only call it, but then to stay with the call after reviewing it. It seemed pretty evident. I mean, he kicked them, so, like, what? Like, is that a natural movement? Like, your leg is out there quite a ways. Didn't seem natural. I don't know, unnatural, I don't know if it's intentional, but the result is what happened. So I didn't mean to shoot the guy, he just was in the way of the bullet. Um, but it's, what are you, Dick Cheney here, just shooting quail? <laughs> quail, look out, look out. But yeah, it's very frustrating when you look at something like that, and it seems obvious. I'm like, oh, you know what, keep as is, 
And you know it's bad when all of the announcers, you know, like you know Mike Breen and and Mark Jackson and and uh, uh, Jeff Van Gundy are like, oh yeah, this is going to be overturned, and then it's not like, wh- wait, what are we doing here? Yeah, very. I don't know what they see some of the times. So NBA season is done. Uh, let's talk about the big story from last week. We'll get to the baseball here in a moment um, because. There's plenty going on, including the College uh, World Series, uh, yeah. college baseball, and we got the softball World Series and Oklahoma's dominance and and whatnot. So we'll get to that here in a moment. But the the significant story in the sports world last week, and it continues to trickle, you know, through. I think it's going to continue to stay alive as as much as you know as as we continue to learn more about what happened. But it's the fact that the PGA Tour is now joining forces with Liv, and in a deal that it appeared to be done overnight, practically, and no one on the PGA Tour is very happy about it. Rory McIlroy tried to put it, like his best spin on it possible, saying he still has uh, confidence in PGA Commissioner Jay Monahan, but there are a lot of people that are upset with this, like... Given everything that the PGA Tour had done, you know, had said about Liv and, you know, what we know about how Liv is funded and everything like that, for this to be an about face in less than, you know, what, roughly a year, there are so many places we could go, but what was your initial reaction when you heard that news? I saw a tweet about it whatever morning it happened. I'm like, is this, is this real? Is this, what do you, what do you mean they merged? Like, what? They merged? Like, they hate each other. I say, oh, they're taking players away from the PGA Tour and be loyal to us. Don't take the $150 million they're offering. Be loyal to us. And, and then the PGA Tour took the money that they said not to take. Mm-hmm. Say so, yeah, it looks awful for them. They're hypocrites and... Yeah, just like, oh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll take this money. So, like, yeah, when when it comes to management, like, no, if you have a chance to make a bunch of money, go do that. Don't, you know, so I, I never faulted any of these guys, of Brooks Kepka and Phil Mickelson. It's like, yeah, go get your money because cause look what happened. Well, I wanted, them to later, be, look what happened. I wanted them to be honest about the reason why they were going there like the the fact that they would keep refusing to answer the questions about the the funding and and stuff of it and like oh well you know golf's a kind of unifying game and blah 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 like they don't talk about it Bryson DeChambeau was on with Caitlin Collins from CNN last week and he because the 9-11 families are pretty upset about this because you're joining forces with Saudi Arabia we know Saudi Arabia was a big player in the in the terrorist attacks on 9-11 and they are all upset about this jay monahan is like okay well I, I i get that like he's trying to fumble through the right like i would think if you're jay monahan you have to know those questions are going to come up bryson dechambeau not so much but even he gave just a complete word salad or word vomit but if you're Jay Monahan, that's one of the critical things I would think you have to know and be able to provide concrete reasoning and an answer to, and he really hasn't yet to this point, at least that not that I've heard. The answer's all the same. It should be. Right. We want we want the money. They gave us an offer we couldn't refuse. And I guess they were in worse financial shape than it would appear to be somehow. 
Well, yeah, because I don't know why uh, there's really no money figures out there. But essentially, the Saudis are going to put a bunch of money now on the PGA Tour. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll see if the, if the Live Golf Tour continues. You would assume not, but maybe it will. It sounded like they it would to a degree. I, You'd feel like one of the things would be the PGA would be like, all right, we'll accept this money, but you got to close shop on this other cartoon network we got going over here. It's like, I get that we'll, there's, take, the, we'll take the money, but you close up what you're doing over there. I get there's a lot of anger right now, a, a lot of disgust, a lot of surprise to it. Because again, this this deal got done overnight. It's kind of like the, the the Baltimore Colts packing up and leaving in the middle of the night on the you know on their Mayflower uh, moving trucks to Indianapolis back in the day. Like this was done under the guy. Like no one knew about it. Rory got a heads up, I think, an hour or two before it broke. But even. Like, no one, they, they didn't talk to any of the players, so I get why the players are all upset. And I think, you know, I don't, they'll probably still continue to play on the PGA Tour, but I can't imagine that Jay Monahan survives this as PGA Commissioner. But I do wonder, too, with this anger and disgust going on, is this just stuff we're, we're angry or, or talking about right now? Does this have a long term effect? For the negative for golf in terms of viewers, I mean, does it does it change any of that at all? I'm trying to. I don't. I don't think anything's going to change. Like we don't know a whole lot, but it just sounds like Saudi Arabia has a lot of money to spend. They want to spend it on sports, sometimes American sports entertainment, and the PGA Tour were the latest to take their money. Like, I don't think we're going to see any difference as far as what golf looks like. I think it'll be the same as it always has been. Like, they give WWE, they make somewhere like 20, 20 some million on WrestleMania, their big event every year. They'll make about $20 million mm-hmm. on the live date. They have a big football stadium every year. They're going to Philadelphia next year, the Eagle Stadium for it. Really? So that, that's their big event. They were at uh, SoFi Stadium here this past yep. month. I'm just surprised they are, they're not going to a domed stadium. That no. They were, that, they, they were in. Uh, they were at uh, the Giants Stadium here. That was maybe five, six years ago. They had okay. uh, WrestleMania at, at the Giants Stadium. Jet Stadium. So yeah, they, they go outside once in a while. But, you know, they make 20-some million off of WrestleMania every year. They do two shows a year in Saudi Arabia. They'll make like ninety million on each of those shows. That's crazy. Because they they pay them that much money to come over and do two shows a year, and this is similar to that. Had the same people involved. And there were even rumors that they wanted to buy the WWE here a couple months ago before they were sold, and things changed there. So they're looking to get into sports. They're looking to spend their money, and they've got an endless supply of it. Like, would 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 they ever buy an NFL team? Would they ever buy a major sports franchise? Would 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 the owners let that pass? Maybe, maybe I don't. Probably not. But how, they're they're in the golf now. Yeah. So would would they would they want to get into a major major league sports a sports franchise? Oh, I think that de- I mean there's money there. They, here's the thing: there's a lot of stupidity going on right now with the boycotts on you know Bud Light and Target and you know Cracker Barrels getting in the the mix. You know the Chick Fil A, 
all this stuff. Like, this is it, it's stupidity going on right now, everyone taking a stance on this. If you want to really take a stance on something that actually has, like, a tangible, um, like, hey, this is really bad, how about Saudi Arabia, you know, and their human rights issues, you know, killing all, you know, people for, you know, being different, and, oh, now they're, they're funding, they're becoming a major funder for, for golf, like, that if you want to boycott something, I'm not saying do it, but if you're if you're really that uh, hell bent on making someone pay, I would do it for golf right now, just based on what we know about who these people are that are funding it. And you think about this, and you think about maybe the companies that fund stuff here in this country. Yeah, I mean it's it's bad. I'm just I'm just thinking like if all these people that are you know hurt by all of this stuff going on and boycotting this is far more of a dire like a bigger deal than anything bud light or target's going to do for the month of june yeah all that other stuff that's just you know another waste of time from you know republicans of you know because everything else has been solved um like i think of america and i think of black lives matter and how I guess police kill black men at what seems to me to be an extraordinary high rate. And I don't know how that compares to how Saudi Arabia kills strangers or random people or people that maybe don't deserve to be killed. Like that's not good. And that's what people have a problem with when it comes to the Middle East and Saudi Arabia. But then you look at what we do here with, with our police and killing black people. It's like, is, is it all that different? Is it maybe not quite as bad, but is it still not good? It's, so how do we, yeah. how do we, I mean, and they're not, police aren't governments and you know, the police aren't buying it's, things, but it's, it's similar in that we're killing people that don't deserve to be killed. Yeah, it's more, it's more I think, you know, it's their style of living. It's the law of the land in Saudi Arabia versus... Well, when you look at Russia, you look at Russia, they yes. had uh, the Olympics here recently, didn't they? Did they have the World Cup? Yes, they did. Yep. So, like, all this other stuff in Russia just as bad as yep. Saudi Arabia? Mm, and, yeah, yep. And then we get into, I mean, certainly a bigger threat to the world. Like, nobody's going to Russia now. Right. Um, well, and then all right. this crap about, what, what do we do with Russia now in their Olympics? Can they compete? Do they get their flags and music played? No. They can play, but they can't wear their country's colors. Well, if they can compete, then it doesn't fucking matter what right. color yeah. clothes they wear. Block them. If you're going to make a statement saying, no, you're out. You can't. And why you can be? You just, you just can't. You'll be, you'll be unattached. Like, fuck you. Yeah, There's you no difference. You can't so dip your toe in the water and say, oh, oh, look at this big splash we're making and then take it out. Like, no, you, you can't be halfway in, halfway out. You got to be all in one way or the other. And again, like John Rahm is saying the, the players feel betrayed by management for, yeah. for this. I, I don't know what the fallout's going to necessarily be from the players. Like if you're if you're a John Rahm or if you're you know uh, you know that, uh, just a Joe Schmo on the PGA Tour, what, this is your living. Like, what are you going to do outside of golf? Like, if you're like, oh, we're gonna are we gonna create our own new tour from this? And like, I don't like how is the 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 pot, how are the pots going to be 
for that? Where's the money going to come from? The investment and stuff. Like, I don't know where they necessarily go, but if they wanted to take a big stand, they could just say, okay, we're not going to be a part of this, but there's certainly others that are going to step in in their place. I just, like, between what management did, which was shady as hell, and, you know, with we what we know or who we know is being now a primary funder, you know, with this, I just don't know what the, the future looks like for the PGA Tour. I could see things going badly where people start to just, I don't know, not care about golf. I mean, golf's a niche sport anyway when it comes, you know, to viewership and whatnot. But I could see, and I don't think it it trickles down all the way to, oh, now I'm not even going to pick up a set of clubs. I'm not going to go to my local, you know, public golf course and golf. That's how upset I am with this because that has really nothing to do with it. But I do wonder from from view, from a viewership standpoint, from an attendance standpoint, from the players themselves, like, is there going to be more of a fallout here than what we know? Or is this just going to be, uh, we're angry about it now, this is what everyone's talking about, in two months or whatever, we're just, we're going to forget about it and play golf. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's going to be more the latter, but I'll be very curious to see if any any substantial fallout happens from this. Yeah, I just don't think uh, like people are going to not watch because, oh, Saudi Arabia is giving money to this. I just don't think that's going to happen. I just don't think anything's going to, like, what's going to change? They just want to spend their money and be associated with something. Like, that's all they want. Yeah, but and, if North Korea did it, would we would we say, oh, yeah, this is good that, you know, that North Korea is spending their money on, on doing the PJ Tour? So and it's like, like uh, the like PJ's kind of had to change things. They've had increased purses, and apparently that's cost them money. And they want the top stars to play in certain non-major tournaments. So we'll see what happens with that. But they apparently needed more money than than I thought they needed, and they they got a big old check. Like every other guy that went over there got a big old check. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for anybody and for any and for them to say now oh if you want to come back to the tour you need to sit out or you need to pay a penalty that's a bunch of horseshit and yep. bullshit yep so if you're if you're phil mickelson and he's getting paid anything like 66 million over the next three years and well if you want to come back to the pga you're gonna to have to forfeit that money or you're gonna to have to pay a penalty or something or you can't accept like, how can they say that when they're accepting the exact same money? Like, how can they say that? Yeah, they, they can't. Well, yeah. And yeah you like, just, right, then if I'm there, I'm like, all right, fine. I don't need to be on your stupid tour. I'll continue to play over here and make $60 million a year and win a major here and there. Like, if you're Brooks Kepka, yeah. whatever, yeah, a PGA doesn't mean anything to me because it's a joke. Now, it's a joke because they are a PGA tour, this prestigious thing, and these other guys are going to this startup and taking all this blood money. Well, I think that's maybe that's a maybe a good word that you just said or you know thing that you just mentioned about prestigious. Like, is now the is the PGA are they a prestigious you know um, association like a, a sports uh, league? I think maybe that's where some of it's going to be tarnished a little bit. Some there's certainly going to be some distrust about it like what the motives are the intent and stuff uh i mean you're talking about tiger woods could have made seven eight hundred million dollars and he, and 
He said no, and I don't think that was necessarily pressured by the PGA. But all, think of all the guys like the Rory McIlroys, the John Roms, the the Jordan Spieths that could have made all that money in the PGA Tour said, no, no, please stick around. And that's also one of the things now, too, I'm just thinking of with, you know, like a John Rahm, if he says the players feel betrayed. Well, are you going to keep playing, and then will you only take a percentage of your purse that you win if you win a tournament? Like, if you win, you know, the Masters, you get $5 million or whatever, are you going to say, okay, how much of this money is from Saudi Arabia and how much of it is actually here? I'll only take that percentage of... Yeah, money that's not from Saudi Arabia. Are you going to take it all? I, They're going to take it all. Like some of the, they were talking about, like some of the the golf journalists or golf commentators who, you know, said how like everybody was saying, oh, how bad the Live Tour is. Well, now they're taking that same money. Are they going to quit? Are they not going to accept the money now? Mm-hmm. So what do they do? It's like, well, I work for the Golf Channel. I work for the PGA. I work for CBS, NBC, whoever. And now we got a new stream of money coming in. Is you know Jim Jim Nance like to made a few uh, remarks there a few weeks ago about you know the the Live Golf Tour not being able to watch them on TV and this and that. Well, guess what? You're going to get paid by the same guys now. So so now what? Yep. Well, I mean this, this, this shit tour bought the PGA. This yeah. no name, what they're on the CW. Yep. Seven people watched them. <laughs> they bought the prestigious PGA Golf Tour. Yeah. I think we got to quit putting, you know, oh, the NFL, Major League Baseball. It's like, whatever. They're just teams and companies and organizations. You don't got to make it out to be this show like the, the British Open, the Open Champ. Who gives it? Wimbledon. You got to. We're white at Wimbledon because yes. we're this fancy fucking tennis tournament. All of it's a bunch of bullshit when it comes right down to well, it. Well, and that's I, I'm very curious to see what these players do. You know, if they don't want to take all the money, or I, I just don't, I don't know what's going to happen throughout all of it. I certainly think there needs to be a change in, um, in leadership. You know, because you can't do these shady deals and and expect to keep your job. It's it's fast, and I think the Golf Channel was on for like eight straight hours last week talking about it. You know, between the, um, you know, between interviews and press conferences and what they didn't take a commercial break on the Golf Jeez. Channel. Maybe they'll be allowed to wear shorts now. I don't know. Maybe it's just weird. It's just it's not a, it's it's not anything like for me that I feel good about. But I I'm not a direct part of the the PGA I want to see what all of these players do what the fallout is and if it if it affects you know a, a paying consumer like I'll still watch the open championship I watch one tournament in its entirety or for the large part for the most part in its entirety it's the open championship I'll watch parts of the masters maybe the other majors no not really the open championships what I'm at but that's so I'm not necessarily going to change my viewership habits a whole lot regarding golf, but like, you know, do I really care now about the you know RBC Heritage Open in Myrtle Beach? No, not really. Uh, like, I don't care about it regardless. But am I gonna feel like, oh, I really should watch some golf because I'm bored as hell on a on a random summer afternoon? Um, probably not. I will probably say yeah, I could do something else with my time. You look at the leaderboard and say, okay, is there anybody I've ever heard of in this thing? Or even if there isn't, okay, are we at the you know, 16th, 17th hole and this is tied? 
It was a pretty good tournament. Sunday, I watched a little bit of it. There was uh, the, the Canadian Open. Yep. And uh, Tommy Fleetwood and some other guy. The other guy, uh, the Canadian guy, made the 70-foot putt to win it. That was a great finish. And his, and his fellow countrymen got tackled by security. <laughs> and I can't even tell you who the hell the guy was. And that was two days ago. Yeah, Nick. Like, oh, yeah, this guy made this unbelievable putt to win a tournament on the fourth playoff hole. I can't tell you what his name was. I can tell you Tommy Fleetwood was the guy he beat because I've heard of him. I mean, he's one of major. I can't tell you who this other Canadian guy was. Yeah. Like, people are dumb in this country. You've established that over the past few years. Yes. Yep. They will boycott certain stupid shit that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But they will boycott serious stuff like this or anything with the NFL and domestic violence and beating up your wife or girlfriend. Anything that could you could maybe have a legitimate case of... I don't want to watch or support this anymore because of this reason. Like, they'll never do it because of that. They'll do it for something stupid. And I'm not trying to be hypocritical in my stance here when I say about, like, for, for golf. Like, I, I have less interest in golf now or, like, wanting to kind of support it and watch it. But I'll still watch the Open Championship because that's my favorite golf. But, like, as I'm saying, like, it's not, oh... I'm dying to watch the John Deere Classic or the 3M Championship or even the golf playoff. It just, there's there's not a whole lot of excitement there for me to begin with to watch, but now there's going to, there's just less now because of a result of this, yet I'm still going to watch the one tournament that I like more than any of the other ones. I'm sure you have encountered at least one person in your life these past couple of years. Mm that has maybe not been a fan of the NFL putting, like, end racism in the end zones? Oh, yes. Have you known anybody in person saying, why are they doing this? Oh, plenty. Plenty of them, Chris. You've heard of this. It's Twitter. You've talked to actual people. I don't like that. It's it's very difficult to keep ending racism. Who is (laughs) pro-racism? It's like, oh, there's not racism. What are they doing? They're making a big deal out of nothing, and everybody you talk to is a white person yeah. when it comes to this. Or it's like the people who are getting upset being called, like like when you call out, like, not, oh, this is Nazi stuff. Oh, this isn't, not, like, how could you be so offended? Like, why, you know, they're getting all upset about Nazi stuff. Well, why are you getting upset? I would be upset if I was called a Nazi, uh, you know, and, and I wasn't. But if you're kind of believing that same stuff, then, yeah, like, Flying outside, like flying flags outside of uh, Walt Disney World this weekend. Like, you you should be, everyone should be offended that that happened. And if you aren't, and you're more upset with other stuff, like, that tells me. Yeah, that tells me you're okay with the Nazi shit, and you kind of associate more along with those lines of thought. Like, no. Have, I, you, I mean, have you talked to anybody or encountered anybody except maybe besides me who was like, you know what? I don't like that so-and-so beat his girlfriend. I don't like that so-and-so did all this stuff, all these domestic violence issues. I don't like that, so I'm not going to watch football. Have you ever talked to anybody that has ever brought that up? No. it's. it's you know, uh, I'm going to go in the other room and I'm not going to watch the Lions-Patriots Thanksgiving game because... This guy did this bad thing. Yep. Uh, Maybe one other person. People are all the racism. Yes. What about the shit that actually matters? The racism. The kneeling of the anthem. Blah, blah, blah. 
all that shit. The racism doesn't affect me because I'm not a black person. So there's, yep. that's not meant for me. Um, this other stuff, I just don't like it. So, yeah, they get upset about the anthem. They get upset about this other shit that doesn't matter at all when they should be. You know what? What about this other stuff? They're like, oh, that's bad. But I'm going to keep watching, though. I don't really care because yep. they didn't punch my wife, so what do I care? Right. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. You know? Yeah. Maybe that's my next column once we get closer to football season. There we go. People complaining about the end racism. But not other stuff that they And that has, I did find that, that that tempered down, that died down a little bit this year. It was much more of a topic, uh, a heated converse, a heated topic when the, when they first did it. Um, as a part like all of the stuff with Target and Bud Light, I guess sales have been down and whatever. All of this shit's just temporary. Like, none of it's going to stand. It's it's the more principle of the point. Like, what are you doing here? Like, if you want to be, if you want to, yeah. It, uh, I, you know what? For now, nobody's gonna matter. It's not gonna matter. It's not gonna get the news. It's stupid shit. Yeah. And then they move on to the next. You know, banning books, doing this, doing that, transgender horseshit, all this stuff that they just gotta get their fingers in because uh, they're bored. I don't know. They're hateful. I guess so. So that's uh, that's what's going on in the golf world. Uh, so, uh, let's go to baseball. Let's go to the diamond. Let's first touch base on what Oklahoma did. The soft uh, Oklahoma softball last week in Oklahoma City. They won their what fifty third straight game. They they win a, their third straight women's college World Series uh, championship. They're sixth in like ten years or something like this. Is a a dominant team. We can put them now in it in the UConn women's basketball conversation. Um, but this team is just absolutely dominant. What they did this year is incredible. I thought they should have won an SB last year for best team. I don't know how you can look at anyone else. I guarantee it's going to be Kansas City that wins it this year uh, because oh Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, blah blah blah. It shouldn't be. It should be Oklahoma softball in a runaway, but it won't be. Uh, but this team was super dominant, and now one of their best players, one of their pitchers, leaving for uh, what is it? Can is it Nebraska or Kansas? Nebraska. Yeah, yeah, right. she's from Omaha. Or yeah, she's, Omaha. she's going home. Good for her. I guess she's homesick. Um, now what, Jordy Ball or yeah, big or so. Good for her, I guess. But yeah, I watched a few innings or a few minutes. I say of this. I think people were intrigued because, all right, are they going to lose or are they going to win? And either way, it's going to be a historic thing of they blow it or they actually complete it. So, but again, fifty-three straight wins. I think they were what sixty-one and one this year. Some crazy number like uh, that. Like it's insane. Yeah, doesn't happen very often or ever. So it's people like dominance when it comes to that. Yeah, it's. Absolutely incredible what they did, and uh, who, who they played. Florida State almost won that game too. Uh, there was a, a catch at the wall that would have made it, I think, like three nothing, four nothing, maybe for Florida State. If they win that game, then all the pressure goes on Oklahoma. There, Danny Cannell had a big conniption about, oh well, it's nice being playing in your backyard. Well, that's not a guarantee, Danny. 
because uh, Tulsa could have made it, Oral Roberts could have made it, Oklahoma State could make it. You have to get to. It's not like oh, Creighton and Omaha have had t- tons of success in in baseball because the or Nebraska baseball because the College World Series is always played in Omaha. Have they had that? Like Danny's not saying anything about that, so Danny Cannell can shut the hell up. Yeah, he can use the What she's done. Yeah, I don't know what uh, what he drank, but uh, it, it did definitely didn't help him at all. I'm gonna say I don't give a goddamn about Danny Cannell's opinion on anything, even even uh, even football. Like, no, I don't give a goddamn what you have to say. Yeah, but when you say something, when you say something stupid, you you you're gonna get called out. So, Danny Cannell, there you go. But. Uh, speaking of the College Baseball World Series, Oral Roberts, the first Summit League team ever to make it to Omaha, uh, they they won their, uh, what, I think they were in Stillwater or something, they won all three games there, they had to go out to Eugene, they were up 8 nothing in game one against the Ducks, they blow it, it was, a ma- it was you know, teams were... Were they 0-96 or 1-96 when trailing by 8-plus runs in the Super Regional? The Ducks come back and win it. And then the Ducks look like they are primed to go to Omaha uh, in Game 2 on Saturday. Was it Saturday or Friday? It must have been Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. And Oral Roberts comes back in the late innings and wins. And then they win it 11-6 on Sunday. And so they are going to Omaha this is an incredible run that this team's on. They're in, they have a very, very good baseball program. We've seen that uh, uphand, you know, and close and personal with how they've dominated the Summit League for many years. Uh, and that's probably why they wanted to come back because they couldn't do it in the Southland. So they came back here. But this is an amazing run that Oral Roberts is on right now. Well, it's Stony Brook in 2012. They were that last big Cinderella team. Yes, yep. To uh, to make a run, so yeah, it it, uh, it piques my interest when you got what a team like this. Have they played TCU yet? They have not. So no, and it's not even like these are fluky wins. Like oh yeah, no, they, they got they beaten. <laughs> I mean they, they just don't lose. They lost to Oregon nine to eight, and like they should have won that game. Yeah, they should have. They, they haven't lost. Last time they lost was to NDSU. April 22nd, before that loss this weekend. So, yeah, they had, like, this huge, like, 20-game winning streak going into it. So, you know, we'll see what they can do. Can they knock off TCU? Can they win a couple games here? And we're just been you see, all the, all, the, all the college baseball that's been on the last couple of weeks. And we watch a little of it, so. And there's definitely more intrigue for us because of our familiarity with Oral Roberts and, and whatnot, so I'll be paying attention to that. Also, like Wake Forest, I didn't know they had a dominant baseball program. They seem like they're the head and shoulders favorite to to win it all this year. Stanford had a crazy win over Texas because Texas lost the ball in the lights or whatever. Yeah. And then you have this uh, this pitcher that I believe is a closer for Virginia. Have you seen this kid? Um, oh yeah, see, tremendous. This, this is like the only time I want a post game interview to happen. <laughs> yes. Uh, let me. Is it is it Stephen Shoop or something like that? Uh, let, let's see. Can I find it here? I mean, this guy gives the best interviews. He's talking about inflation and <laughs> dipping dots and how he you know swears on the mound and uh, you know he he gets a per diem. Like, this kid is just. Great, and I feel like he got interviewed last year. I rem- 
or maybe there's just another guy like him. But this isn't the first time I've seen an interview like this with it. He is just he is he's a ton of fun. Um, but I'm gonna get him. Uh... Yeah, he said uh, what some yeah he's getting interviewed by the announcers. So yeah, one of the opposing guy uh, fans was like, "I'll buy you dipping dots if you blow this game." I was like, "Man, I don't really like dipping dots, but." If we win this game, we get more money on the per diem because we'll stay around another day so I can just use that money to buy Dippin' Dots myself. So we'll just win this game. And what, he was afraid of K? So anything, uh, are you afraid of anything out there? He's like, K, like without a, missing a beat, I'm afraid of caves. <laughs> yes. like, right. um, and that's, that's what we're looking for. That's, that's what we're looking for uh, when it comes to this stuff. Hey, it's, it's the it's the personality that's so good. I'm gonna find this, uh, yes, yes. this guy. Fantastic stuff. Yeah. So the College World Series will start on Friday in Omaha. I, you know, I mean, it's. Believe uh, Marcus gonna go to Marcus. Kind of made that a regular trip in the summer. He's been there. Yep. A couple times. He's going back down. Steven Shock is the name. I, so I was close. I, I'm going to give myself a lot of credit for that. Uh, the sure. Random Virginia pitcher. So there we go. Um, just hilarious. Google it. It's it's fantastic. So um, LSU. I'm interested in LSU. Why is Kim Mulkey there? Yeah, she's gonna. I don't know. She do something. Um, they've got the uh, the guy who's going to be the number one pick in the draft so next month. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Dylan Dylan Cruz, he's an outfielder. He hit like what four thirty two this year, something ridiculous. And the, so the Stanford pitcher, uh, because they had to win they lost game one of their super regional against Texas, had to win game two to force a game three, which they won. But their pitcher threw hundred and fifty six pitches in game two. People lost their minds. They're like, oh my god, he threw up. I mean that's a lot of I'm you know I'm on the other side but that's a, I mean that's a lot of pitches. It is a lot of pitches, but it's incredible that he throws 156 and we can't even get Sonny Gray to throw 80. Yeah, uh, and then uh, the number two, maybe the number two pick in the draft. LSU's got this pitcher. I don't know his name. Say his name, Paul Skinnis. Skinnis, Paul Skinnis, perhaps. And I would love him to the the, 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 the Twins pick five. I don't think he's fallen five. The Nationals pick two, the Pirates pick one. So these LSU guys might go one, two. Mm-hmm. Um, but he threw like a, it was like last week in the regional against whatever bullshit team they were playing. Um, he threw like 124 pitches. And people were losing their minds. Like, oh, oh, you're up like three, four runs against a shitty team. How? 124? Like, what? How is this? What are they doing? They're going to break his fucking elbow off. <laughs> like, really? And then he pitched last week and did fine, and he'll pitch in this College World Series and do fine, and hopefully he's got a long career. But it's like, Jesus fuck, people. Are we that condition that it's like, well, 100 pitches, he can't go more than that, or else he'll fucking have Tommy John surgery. It's like, no. Like 156, that, that's a bit much. It is, it is. <laughs> but 124, 124 should not be this outrageous thing. It's like, you know what? I'm feeling fine. I'm getting guys out. Like his last pitch of the game was 101. You so do- obviously he wasn't. Yeah. 
Well, no lap fatigue. He could still put up 100. You hope, uh, that this, you hope that this Stanford pitcher didn't, like, sacrifice a ton of money, you know, just to win a game. But at the same time, if it's if he wants to stay out there and if he's... Oh, I, don't, yeah, I don't know if he's a prospect. I don't know if he's going to get drafted anytime soon. So I don't know who this guy is. Oh, I'm sure he'll probably get drafted at some point, but... I want Steven Shock to get drafted by the, the Twins. Please, uh, please... I don't care if it's in the the fifth round, the seventeenth round, however many rounds they have in baseball. It's a hell of a lot, I believe. So just yeah, I, I, I just think it's ridiculous. You know, people are losing their minds. Oh yes, yeah. It's like oh, 120 pitches. It's like yeah. What, what about it? A, what, yeah, I'm, I'm losing it because it's very surprising to me that you even have someone <laughs> throwing that many pitches. I'm not against it. It's just surprising. Maybe there's this current way of doing things. Maybe that's not the right way. Right, right. Maybe limiting guys to 85 or not, maybe that's the wrong way to go about it. It's maybe every of, once in a while, maybe somebody can throw 110 pitches and see if he lives to see the next day. It's so. kind of like load management in the NBA, yeah. and you have a lot more injuries. Hmm, fascinating. Maybe it's a load of bullshit, so... I'm looking forward to the draft because I would love this pitcher. I doubt he'll be there. The Twins pick fifth there's this outfielder for Florida Wyatt Langford who's also probably going to go in the top five so those are probably going to like three top college guys they're all going to be in the college world series then there's a couple other high school players so we will see what what the twins do they got the draft lottery and that helped the twins tremendously move up to the number five spot in the draft so it'd be great if they could get one of these guys who could be up in a couple of years. But well, we've kind of seen you know how, how good Royce Lewis has been at times. He's shown flashes this year. Uh, this uh, what De La Cruz, whatever for Cincinnati, he got called up uh, last week. He's been very good. I think yesterday, Monday night against the Royals was the first game he went hitless this year yeah. since being called up. I mean that's. Rather incredible here. I guess it's now that's a good opportunity to shift over to Major League Baseball here. I mean, that's the most we've ever talked College World Series on uh, on the podcast or the radio show ever, I think. So, um, but baseball, another frustrating week for the Twins. I I don't know how Emilio Pagan is still on the roster, but he is. Um, Rocco Baldelli chance for his job are are growing. I would say. More so by the day they get. Uh, Max Kepler still has a job, which is odd. Um, they they got to figure something out here, right? This is. I mean, it's stuff that we've talked about now for fucking months. Yes. It's the same thing. Emilio Pagan. They put him in a big spot. They're up what two in the eight. Yes. And he gives up a three run. It's like yes, that is what is going to happen more times than not. When you put, like, what else? This is long. This is, this is a year overdue. Like, this, if they had swept Toronto, it would have put the the sweep against Tampa Bay, which is understandable. Tampa Bay is very good. But it would have put that, like, it wouldn't have, been, it wouldn't have mattered as much. It wouldn't have mattered, you know, that two and four homestand that they had. Like, okay, that softens the blow a lot, uh, you know, by going on the road and sweeping a decent Blue Jays team. And yet, you, you still take two out of three, it's fine, but you should have swept them if this Emilio Pagan would have been anywhere other than in in the, air, in the in Rogers Center, whatever the hell they call their park now there in Toronto. Just 
Get him out of there. Get him. Like, out. It's, it's it's beyond ridiculous right now. It is beyond ridiculous for anybody to defend him, Pagan or the manager. Like nothing else needs to be said. It's like you just say his name. It's like, oh yeah, that's. Well, and, he doesn't need to be on this team. It just doesn't. Like you, you, you're not serious about winning. You're just not. And then Doug Minkavich last week calls out the Twins organization for how they've handled Byron Buxton and bringing him along in his development. So, I mean, I love that. I, I was a huge fan of that. Oh yeah, it's great. I I have I agree with that. Like, is it more? Was he was he talking about the front office? Was he talking about the manager? Was he talking yeah. about everyone in general? Like, it just because he Doug Cambridge was Buxton's manager in the minors, mm-hmm. and like maybe he's a bit of an asshole, but I wouldn't. Maybe that's what the Twins need. Rocco Baldelli seems too too laid back. Say, now oh, we'll get him tomorrow. You know, maybe they need an asshole to get in there and say, you know what? Fucking do something. It's fucking ridiculous. You know, we had Mike Zimmer, he was a hard ass. They bring in Kevin O'Connell, not quite as a hard ass. So a lot of times you go the opposite way. Do you think they would go Doug Minkavich? No. Uh, well, because no. they fired him years ago. And I like that he brought it with what he brought up with Buxton. Maybe that's why it took Buxton like five fucking years to learn how to hit. And he, and Buxton went from a guy, the previous regime wanted them to, you know, hit the ball on the ground, use your speed, get on base that way. So now he's a completely different hitter to work. He's just this guy who hits a home run. Mm-hmm. That's really the only way he contributes is hitting home runs. And if that's not working, he's at 220. So, yeah, that needed to be said. I like what Minkiewicz said. Uh, they, they used Duran, what was that, Friday night? Yeah. They use them for 30 pitches over two. Like, yes, that is what I would do often. Mm-hmm. And felt like they probably felt the pressure that night because they what, lost like five in a row going into that game. Yep. And uh, it was tied. If they won the 10th the inning, whatever, I didn't see the game, whatever it was. Like, oh, yeah, let's use Duran, and we're going to throw him 38 pitches, which was a season high. And he in and out of trouble, walked a few guys, basically would have got out of it, and they win. Like, yes, that is how you use your best pitcher. You didn't need him the next day because you won 9-4. to four. Mm-hmm. It would have been nice to use him on Sunday because you're up by two and you blew the game. So, it's like he threw 38 pitches Friday. Could he throw an inning on Sunday? They weren't going to do that. You knew as soon as he threw 38 on Friday, he's done for the rest of this series. It's like we can't bring him back on, on one, one day rest. He threw 38 pitches like, is that, I knew it wasn't going to happen, but it's like, can he throw an inning? Can he throw 15 fucking pitches? Well, okay, so I'm, I'm Especially just... with Monday being an off day, it's like, right? we're not going to do that. It's like, really, does, does that really protect him? So, well, I'm I feel like out. they felt the pressure. It's like, all right, when they really need to win, they kind of do what I want them or, or I think they should do. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know what to do that they just don't want to do. It. So that's very frustrating. I just looked at, at who pitched on Sunday. And I'm, I'm looking at who pitched on or on Saturday just to see if this guy pitched. And, uh, yeah, he did. Oh, here we go. Brock Stewart, who we've talked about, you know, a couple times throughout this year. He has a .90 ERA. He's, 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 done, he's done extremely well, much better than I could have ever imagined. Yep. 
He threw one pitch on Saturday, got a double oh, play. Then he didn't pitch Sunday. Don't you think a guy with a .9 ERA who threw just one pitch, like I would much rather than put in Duran and stuff, sure. But if what was wrong with Brock Stewart after that one pitch that you couldn't put him into that spot to protect the lead on Sunday? Like, why? He had thrown 24 pitches Friday. Okay. 24, um, like 25 pitches, big deal. And that's why I say it's like, well, can he? Because nobody's ever going to pitch three days in a row. It's like, well, he threw one pitch. It's like, you know, I, I just can't take them any serious. I can't take them seriously. Yeah, but Brock Stewart would have been a much better option. Uh, Brock Stewart is good and bad. It's good that he is pitching well. But it's also bad that he's pitching well because this is a guy they got off the, the scrap heap. He was 31 years old. Uh, he had been injured. He had spent time with the Dodgers for four seasons. He threw 70, 80 innings of all. Mm-hmm. He was with Toronto four years ago. He threw 21 innings at an ERA of eight. So this is a guy who's not done anything in the majors. But he's with the Twins, and he's doing well. But let's ride the success then a little bit. Let's ride the momentum a bit until he reverts back to what he had been. <laughs> it, it's bad because I think they, can, they they feel like they can do this and just take any random old guy and think, well, some of them may not work out, but then sometimes they will work out. So we're going to continue just to take sh- random shots in the dark at random guys that we think are going to be good. And maybe we'll get a Brock Stewart. Maybe we'll get a Brock Stewart, but maybe we'll get three other guys who suck. So I'm glad he's having success, but I think it's bad because they're going to continue to have this philosophy of building a bullpen based on randomness. I just don't know how you can have any confidence now when Pagan goes in. And like, if you're a Twins no. fan, you're just frustrated. When does Steelbar come back? He was back and he got hurt again. Oh, God. Okay. So he's going to be out for a while. Hmm. And, you know, like they, they, the Pagan, they, you know, he was a closer last year and then they took him out of that spot because it sucked. And then this year they didn't put him in any spot of any significance. And then they put, they put him one here or there. And he gives up the home run in Toronto. He gave up the big home run to the Dodgers weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Whenever they put him in a big spot, it seems like half the time he does not uh, respond, and then we end up in something like this, and it's like, well, why is he even on the team anymore? And it's very frustrating. So well, it, just, it, it just continues to happen. Who was the Toronto Blue Jays pitcher that was up for the AL Cy Young last year, and he just got sent down to the, like the rookie leagues in Florida? Alec Manoa, he was my Cy Young pick, and he's uh, been all Alec Manoa. <laughs> uh, so, oh, I, did, I, did I write that down? I better have. Um, well, he was great last year, and now he can't get anybody out. He couldn't. Yeah, I think his last start was against the Astros, yes. and he did not get out of the first day. Yep. So, here's a guy. Uh, Toronto sees a problem. They're sending him down. If you're like, the but Twins, now, is old enough where it's like, you just get rid of him. Like he, hasn't, he hasn't been good 
in my opinion, in his career. Like, he's not good. I And I he's agree that. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, at, the, at a worst case, best case scenario, you send him down and see if he can get his confidence back up. Yeah. Like, he's been in the majors for seven years. Yeah. Get rid of him. In only two of those years has his ERA been above league average. Like, how long does a guy have to pitch till he say, you know what? We can do better than this. Yeah. Listen, I'm, he's been now for that's the second year's Aries four and a half. He's thrown ninety innings. Move the fuck on. There is no reason why the twins should only be a game and a half up in the AL Central right what now. The they should be fucking ten games up on this yes. shit ass division. This is the worst worst division in baseball, worst offensive division in baseball. The twins offense sucks. And they're the best offensive team in this division. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it, well, they're a game up on Cleveland. Kansas City's now a game better than Oakland. And, oh, I was just going to say, Oakland's six-game win streak right now as, the recording, as of the recording of this podcast. Incred- they went to Milwaukee and swept the Brewers. What does that say about Milwaukee? And they beat Tampa Bay last night. Yes. <laughs> best team in baseball loses to the worst team in baseball, and... The NL Central, the second worst division. Mm-hmm. Pirates, they're back up in first place. They and took two out of three. Yeah, they took. Yeah, Ace took two out of three from the Pirates, and then the Pirates went and took two out of three from the Mets. Bad week for the Mets last week, losing five out of six. Uh, they got swept by the Braves. Not good. Good news is they didn't sign Jacob Degrom, so that's probably a good idea. Yeah, yep. He uh, he's out now for an extended period of time with Tommy John. So. For what, five years, 185. He got six starts. You'll probably miss all of next year, too. So you paid him $60 million over two years to start six games. I mean, everybody knew the risk involved. Mm-hmm. And when he comes back, he'll be 36, 37. Maybe don't throw 100 anymore. That's what I mentioned a couple weeks ago. I mean, he's an outstanding pitcher. He probably won't get in the Hall of Fame because of his injury history. Mm-hmm. Don't throw 100 anymore. It's nice that you can, but you've proven you can't stay healthy. So learn how to make it work by throwing 97. Quit throwing as hard as you possibly can because you are no good to us if you're going to be hurt. Cardinals are in the dumpster in the NL Central. That that in the cellar, I should say, but that made that just warms my heart seeing the Cardinals struggle this bad even though it did pick them to win the division. So whatever there. Uh but yeah, Oakland taking 2 out of 3 from Pittsburgh, sweeping the Brew Crew in on the road no less. And now they've so I'm not saying Oakland's turned this around by any stretch, but now their their future is once again kind of up in the air because the Nevada State Legislature did not pass the stadium bill uh you know the governor said that he could call a special session but you know be there i think they're, they're, they've done that are they, are they i think they're in a special session are they now okay i think so but they still haven't gotten it done yet so it, it's until it's done it's you know well, you got hockey you got football done. i don't Vegas, Nevada residents may be thinking to themselves, oh, maybe we're biting off a little more than we can chew right now. Um, that, that new stadium has to be – I've seen it, and it's an outdoor stadium. I don't know how you have outdoor baseball in Vegas. I know they have a minor league team, yeah. but I just 
No. Did you go to a game there, but you need a roof. Did you, you need see, a roof in Vegas. Did you see the renovations for the Jaguar Stadium? Holy cow. Yeah. You know where they, 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 where they could possibly play, they said? Daytona. <laughs> That'd be great. That would be unbelievable. I don't know how that would work. That'd be insane. Could so, you play a football game while there's a NASCAR race going on? I just That would be fascinating. So it gives you something to watch while the race is going on. Like, right. well, <laughs> the minute it takes them to go around the track, I can watch a third and 12. So that'd uh, be a good combo. Just fantastic. Oh, there's finally a team in the AL East that has a negative run differential. That's the Boston Red Sox. Uh, uh, anything else from baseball last week uh, that, that caught your attention? The team with the best record in the National League. Arizona Diamondbacks. Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, I don't know. I, I think we'll see if they can hang on here. They got Corbin Carroll, who's going to win Rookie of the Year. He might win MVP at this rate. So, like, Corbin Carroll. Like, Julio Rodriguez was the big rookie star last year for Seattle. Mm-hmm. And he's falling off the map. But Corbin Carroll is the big rookie star this year. And he's having a great season. So good to see Arizona. They won six in a row. Best record in the National League. Four games up on the Dodgers. The Diamondbacks. Surprise team. My, uh, and, my cousins and I are going to go to a game. We picked a game at the beginning of the year. I'm like, okay, let's... What? Let's find a team that we're that the we haven't seen. You know that you know the Twins might have a good chance to beat. We pick the Diamondbacks, so we're going to a Twins game in August. Um, that's looking good. I, I, I've never, good, good, good to see in the Diamondbacks. Good. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. So kudos to us for that. Uh, the Dodgers. Uh, that was not a good week for them. What they they lose uh, seven. Yeah, I mean that. They lost uh, to the Yankees, and I mean they were on a four-game losing streak. Beat Cincinnati, then lost two or three to Philadelphia. So the Dodgers aren't looking all that good. Arizona's got a good chance as anyone to. Do it was nice to see San Diego win in Colorado last week for once. Yeah, Padres they suck. They do. Um, Miami Marlins, thirty-seven and thirty. The Marlins. Have the fourth best record in the National League. And Luisa Rise is still over 400. Now he's at 391. Oh, did he do that now? Oh, Just like that, he dropped like 10 points. So I think he's probably going to end up, you know, probably like 340 maybe. But yeah, he keeps that going. That's people are interested in him. Marlins, seven games over. The run differential is negative 27. I think they have the best record in baseball when it comes to one-run games, so that's how that's possible. How did his? So, how did his? I swear he was at four hundred like a couple days ago. How yeah, he was at four hundred like four days ago. Yeah. Holy cow! He drops off just like that. So it's 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 nice to get some new teams in there. You got Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got the Marlins. You've got the Rangers. You know, you got uh, let's say Baltimore's probably. I mean, Baltimore is going to make the playoffs, mm-hmm. so we will have uh, some new teams in the mix finally. So that'll be that'll be fun. It sure will, absolutely. Um, that's it. Anything else that we need to discuss at all? The Dalvin Cook got released by the Vikings, and uh, seems to be some mixed reaction to that. Um, 
Okay, so they, they save what nine million dollars. He's going to make fourteen. They save nine million by cutting him. So what are they going to use that money for? Like they're under the salary cap already. I, I would say they have to be. Or what are they? They're going to shuffle money around. They're going to extend got, Jefferson. They're going to. It's got what to be are they going to do with that nine million. It's got to be extensions for Jefferson and Hawkinson. It, it's got to. And he used some of that money this year to save money in future years, I guess. Yep, and I mean, I you know, Kirk Cousins is on a massive, uh, like he he's got to prove that he's the the quarterback moving forward. He might not. This might be the last year with Kirk O'Chains, and they could be positioning themselves to draft a like, significantly jump up to draft a Caleb Williams or someone like that. Well, no, they're not. They're not. I, I'm just. I think, I mean, they're still in a win now, but, but you know. Well, now nobody's trading. Yeah, I mean, they might trade Daniil Hunter. And they were looking to trade Dalvin Cook. And I'll, I'll be honest, I'm a little sad. But then you look that they that they got rid of Cook because I do like his explosiveness. He's a good pass catcher out of the backfield. And Madison hopefully will work on that a bit. But I, I think we had talked about it a few weeks ago. And I'm like, I don't know where you're going to. Like, the, the Vikings are five deep at running back. With Nwongwu and, and Cook and Madison and uh, Ty Chandler, who they got last year in the draft, and now this uh, what this McBride from UAB, I would say that Nwongwu might not make it if you know with, with this new special teams rule and everything with the the fair catch and stuff, bringing it out to the twenty five, so that limits his um, impact on the team. So you might carry just those three running backs and C.J. Ham. I could. Vikings have usually not gone the running back by committee route. They've usually had a number one running back more, more times than not. So it'll be interesting to see how this works for them. Mm-hmm. To, to to just have a bunch of guys like a lot of teams do. So. And Dalvin, like it seems like he's destined to go to the Dolphins, but he's commanding. He wants a high sum of money. And the Dolphins... I don't think he's going to get it. I don't either. That's why. That's what makes it a little more surprising that they couldn't reach an agreement. Nobody wanted him. Like, again, like you're going to get a sixth-round pick for a guy who's pretty good yet. And I wouldn't have taken a sixth-round pick. Like, at some of the stats you look at, it's like, well, he's kind of on the decline, so if I can get rid of him maybe a year early than a year late. Didn't so he average how long he just continues to play and we see how long he continues to be to be uh, relevant and, and any good. Didn't he average like less than three yards of carry last year or is it just above well, three? Wasn't, you know, he wasn't very good. I mean offensive line wasn't great, but he was not very good either. He had like more negative runs than anybody or had like more zero or negative yard runs than anybody, so that's not what you want. That sounds like an Adrian Peterson stat right there. Yeah. And then apparently uh, breaking news from 20 minutes ago, Nevada did pass the bill for a new stadium. Oh, they did? Okay. All right. Uh, $380 million. All right. No, and that happened 20 minutes ago. So. There we go. This is why we do it. Very good. There, yep, there it is. So. No, I mean, it's going to be a 30,000-seat stadium by far the smallest. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be that much because I'm sure it'll continue to be awful. It's, it's got to have a roof. I don't know how you can have baseball in Major League Baseball in Vegas when it's 100 degrees every day. Right. And did you see what they're doing tonight? They're having a protest? Yeah, the, a reverse boycott. 
We're actually going to show up and act like we give a shit and go to the games. Well, okay, do you blame the fans at all for not wanting to go to A, a shit stadium, to see a, to, to see a B, shit team? I mean, I wouldn't. They never showed up when they were any good. It's like they've had plenty of good teams over the past 20 years. Yeah. And they didn't show up then. So don't, these fans, don't give me this shit about, oh, I mean, I'm sure it is very frustrating to watch you develop star after star after star only to ship them out. Kind of like the Marlins. And continue to start all over mm-hmm. every five years. I'm sure that's very frustrating. But then you can be the twins and just kind of be this 500 team that makes the playoffs every once in a while and never wins anything anyway. But yeah, just this, oh, we're going to show up tonight and make noise. It's like, yes. The owners don't give a fuck. All you're doing is giving them an extra couple hundred thousand dollars by buying tickets and concessions. They'll say, thanks, we're going to move in a couple of years, so we don't give a goddamn what yet. By all means, one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. This reversal. Be, be, be boisterous, be loud. This re- it doesn't matter. This reverse- you should have done this 20 years ago. What a waste. This reverse boycott was planned before Nevada just passed that that uh, the stadium bill. So I wonder now if this reverse boycott, like, does it even matter? They're going to leave. No, it doesn't matter. It didn't matter before. It doesn't right. matter now. I'm just saying, matter. now it, it really doesn't matter. So do you really want to shell out your money? Because they're gone. They're gone now. The, they, the Nevada passed the stadium bill. So. Also, Tampa Bay averaging 17,000, which is only Kansas City, Miami, and Oakland have worse attendance than Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is a good, no, they are the best team. Tampa Bay's the most exciting team in baseball, even though nobody's ever heard of any of their players. But are you they surprised the, by this lack of attendance? They, no, they hit the most home runs. They steal the most bases. What the fuck else do you want them to do? Like, get Tampa Bay out of there. It's like, if they ever move and they're like, oh, we lose the Tampa Bay Rays, well, you never showed up when they were any good. Exactly. They had the best team in baseball. You could barely get 15,000 fans there most nights. Move these teams to places. Nashville, I think Nashville would probably support a baseball team pretty well. Charlotte would, I would Charlotte, think. Portland, Portland would love a team. I'm sure Portland would go ape shit nuts for a baseball team. Maybe Salt Get Lake. them out of Oakland. Get them out of Miami. Get them out of Tampa. Get these teams to places where people have interest. Mm-hmm. You know, the Washington Nationals are pretty bad. They've gotten better. They are 19th in attendance, right behind the Twins at 21,000. If you would think any team would just have shit attendance, you'd think it'd be Washington. Mm-hmm. But they're kind of just kind of in the middle of the pack. Well, the shittiest by far would be Oakland, but... Yeah, it's just... Yeah, I, I hate when these... these the, I guess the fans of the teams, oh, they're moving them or the Expos go away... It's like, yes, nobody goes to these games. Right. And a lot of you know, these teams aren't very good. The Padres aren't very good. Padres are under 500. They're selling out games left and right. Well, they also have a star lineup, and I think people in San Diego are like... they're good. Well, I, they're also the only team in San Diego, and people are like, when is this team going to turn it around? Yeah, the... I mean, there's certain fan and get get these teams to fan bases that give a shit. Yep. Like the you know the Giants, Giants aren't good. They're averaging twenty nine thousand. Mm-hmm. 
bro. It's just like, get them somewhere where it matters. Do yourself a fucking favor. Agreed. Agreed. Anything else before we say so long? Should be good. All right. Well, you have a great rest of your week. Hopefully the the bugs are are good for pickleball this week. Um, I assume you're playing, right? I didn't play last week because it was too too hot for one, but the bugs at night we talked. I I played for 40 minutes. We usually play for two hours. We played two two games. I'm done. Get me the fuck out of here, these (laughs) fucking bats. I was done with it, and, well, we got some spray now to uh, to counteract the gnats, and I would assume since we've got the spray, the gnats are probably gone. Yeah. So, oh, that, that, that's Murphy's Law right there. So, well, we'll see what happens. We'll probably play tomorrow night, but the gnats, hopefully, yeah, mosquitoes are probably here. The gnats were just, they've just been terrible. Yeah. Well, good luck. Uh, have a great rest of your week. And we will talk to you next week, my friend. All right, I'll see you later. Travis Crins joining me here, Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time. As always, a lot of good stuff there. I talk about the Denver Nuggets winning the NBA championship, uh, the, the, the drama in golf, tons of baseball talk there, uh, college baseball World Series, Oklahoma winning softball, World Series, the Twins continue to, to suck. It's a lot going on there. Here uh, You can get this podcast available on podcast.com, also available on iTunes. Just search the sports block. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Facebook Nathan Stacken, Travis Krenz on Twitter at Travis Krenz. A link to the podcast posted later to middle part of each week. Stanley Cup Final is still going on right now uh, as I am recording this, but uh, likely will be done here soon. We'll talk with Marcus Traxler about it, hopefully, coming up next. Here, as we wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast, available on podcast.com and on iTunes. We continue here on the Sports Block Podcast. The Stanley Cup playoffs are done. Vegas Golden Knights are your Stanley Cup champions for the 2022-2023 year, and who better to break that down than my good friend and resident hockey expert from the Mitchell Daily Republic, none other than Marcus Traxler. Marcus, how are we doing? I'm good, Stacking. How are you? Doing fine, thank you. Just getting by day by day. And uh, the Vegas Golden Knights are your Stanley Cup champions. Those poor, long-suffering fans, six years before they were able to get the taste of, of winning the Stanley Cup, uh, you, you had to feel for them. No fan base ultimately deserved it more than Vegas. No doubt about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, if, if anything, uh, they're, you know, they've been uh, tested so much in the last six seasons that, uh, you know, good to see them really get over the hump. Oh, for sure. For sure. And this was a dominant series for them for the most part. They outscore Florida 26-12. to I mean, they put up nine goals in the game-clinching, uh, in the cup-clinching win. It's the most goals, I believe, scored in a cup-clinching win. Uh, the previous one was Pittsburgh over the North Stars 8 to nothing. so glad Minnesota could get in that. Uh, stat as well, or finally get off the hump. 8-3 was another one. I think it was at Calgary and Philly or Edmonton, Philly, something like that. Um, so Vegas just put it on, and I had a feeling that this was going to happen when Matthew Kachuk didn't, uh, wasn't going to play for Game 5, and then we find out later that he had a, a, a cracked uh, sternum. Like, that's incredible that he was able to even play in Game 4. Yeah, you can't even say that sentence without wincing. Like, yeah. crack sternum is just one of those things that's like, oh my god, that sounds terrible. And given how much of a heart and soul type player he was during these playoffs, how many big goals he got, 
for them. You know, one of the main reasons they got a win at all in the Stanley Cup final. Um, you know, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, one of those things that we talked about a little bit going in is sometimes those, those uh, you know, special stories or underdog stories, they run out of steam when you get to the Stanley Cup final with just a change of pace in the series. And it seemed like that was the case for the Panthers. And then, you know, a, a, a notable injury with, with the Chuck. And I guess it shouldn't even go back to like game four, but he scores the game winning goal in overtime with a, with a crack yeah. sternum. I mean, it's incredible what he did. Uh, and then, you know, it, I, I'll i just touch base on Florida here, and we'll go back to Vegas here in a, in a moment and, you know, just the totality of the series. But then you hear what Paul Maurice, their head coach, said afterward about Aaron Ekblad having, uh, like, his shoulder popped in twice, uh, like a torn oblique muscle, uh, broken bone in his foot, uh, he passed a concussion, and he said that was mainly in the Boston series. I mean, good Lord, if, this, if there was any debate as to who the toughest athletes in the world are, it has to be hockey hands down. I know NFL players play through a lot, but they're, like... It's incredible what Florida was able to do uh, just injury-wise because they were really banged up. And as Paul Maurice said, most of the injuries happened in the first round against Boston. Yeah, I mean, I think from a team team sports standpoint, um, for whatever reason, when we get to the end of football season, which I think is the only other sport we would maybe put in this category, we don't, we don't get the kind of, uh, you know, dump of reports that says, oh, yeah, this guy – you know, dislocated shoulder for two months, uh, you know, cracked sternum, uh, this guy, this guy, this guy. We don't get that. Now, maybe that's because you have an injury report in those sports and, and it's a little bit different, you know, 53 guys, whatever. I don't know. But, um, yeah, just the every year you get the laundry list and even the, you know, even the wild. We're out, you know, six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, whatever it was, um, they don't, they didn't have, uh, they have injuries. You know, everybody has injuries. Certainly the teams that get to the very end are going to be the most battered of them all. And it, yep. I don't know how long we go before we've got training camp. I mean, I, I think in sometime in, in September, yep. I mean, the turnaround is kind of stunning, especially when you consider, you know, uh, how much these guys put on the line and, and the fact that they're playing a lot more and they don't make as much money as football, baseball, or basketball, too. Yep. Yep, no doubt, uh, no doubt about it, and I mean, it's just still insane. I think I mean we found out what Erickson Eck was playing on a broken leg, I and mean, he tried to gut yeah. it through. You know, game three made it what nineteen seconds into that first shift, but it's just all the more remarkable what these guys do. Some might call it crazy, some might call it stupid, but you know what they want to do to get arguably the the most famous trophy and best trophy in all of sports. Yeah, no question about it, and I just think that. You know, the one thing that, that stands out to me about Vegas was just they got better as the playoffs went on, it mm-hmm. seemed like, in a lot of ways. I know they had, um, you know, they, didn't, they only lost six times in these playoffs, and two of those uh, were to in Dallas back-to-back games. But I just felt like uh, they never really had that massive drop-off in scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they, they weren't shut out at all in the playoffs. And, of course, they only lose six times. That, that helps with that. And, it's worth them just looking at the entire list of games here. The very first game of the playoffs, they lost five one to Winnipeg at home, mm-hmm. and uh, and then just kind of turned the page and got got back on the horse, won five games in a row, and um, you know really I felt like outlasted Florida 
know, when we talked about the preview to the series, we talked about you know how defensively responsible they were, mm-hmm. and they absolutely were in this series. That showed up time and time again. Aiden Hill, man, kept it on the tracks. I wasn't sure that was going to happen, yep. but he did. He delivered. And then they just have a lot of really good players that delivered in this series. Mark Sasso, Eichel, uh, Mark Stone, all those guys that made a huge difference. The depth of the of Vegas is so deep. I mean, it, it's, it's wild. I mean, their fourth line is going up. I think they were putting their fourth line out against the first line of Dallas in the Western Conference Final. They maybe did that a few times against Florida. Um and I mean, that was one of the. I think that was the main reason why I liked Vegas in this series is just their depth and how they could roll guys out. They can intertwine, interchange the lines, and it would still produce. Uh, they they were very good on the power play in this series. Florida did not have a power play goal at all. I don't know if that's more if that has more to do with Vegas' defense or Florida's just subpar power play. And to your point on Aiden Hill. He was their fifth goalie that Vegas had used this year. I completely forgot they got Jonathan Quick uh, yeah. in the in after the the trade deadline or during the trade deadline, and he put up one of the best save percentages I believe in Stanley Cup Final history uh, against Florida. And that's that's saying something for a guy that wasn't starting much at all during the regular season, if at all. Yeah, and he was kind of putting that that column of, you know, not starter caliber, uh, certainly not a, you know, go win your Stanley Cup caliber goalie. Uh, and and that, I don't know, I, I just like to kind of shake my head. I absolutely would predict that Aiden Hill is going to come back to earth next year. I mean, uh, it's interesting. You look at Vegas going into next year, they don't have a lot of issues to resolve nope. uh, with their salary cap or with guys leaving. Um, but, Aiden Hill's a, an unrestricted free agent, so he could leave if he wants. Jonathan Quick's 37, so I don't know if he – this is a cup. Does he just say, hey, I'm good yep. uh, and, and be done? We got a couple other guys we don't really care about, but this season was supposed to start with Robin Lehner, who has had all these injury problems uh, in his career, so they never really had him this year. He's the only goalie they really have under contract. I guess they have this Logan Thompson guy, too. But they owe, they owe Robin Lehner $5 million next year, and uh, he's a guy that didn't play, wasn't even a part of anything they did this year. So yep. I just find that interesting when you think about, um, you know, the goaltending situation and how, um, you know, the star guy, Mill, he will get paid much more than he, he was this past year. I think he, he made uh, very little money this last season. Um, well, he's going to so, get paid. <laughs> yeah, he was on a, he was on a three-year – Two point seven five million dollar contract. So he made he made just under a million dollars a year. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's gonna make more than that. Yeah, I think I think they'll rip up that contract and, and give him something more for uh, for his efforts and leading him to the to the cup. And mention the depth again. Yeah, it's it's just worth repeating how deep this Vegas team was. And I think that's what I think some people in the hockey community. I've heard a little talk about it. I, I've seen there's been a couple articles just regarding this Vegas run to the cup and like how much of a great achievement it is that they've been able to make it you know in year six uh they played what uh owner steve foley saying oh we're gonna get there we're gonna win a cup in six or seven years i think he said seven first and then backtracked it to six um and then i mean 
you, you look at the list of teams, I think the Marlins and Diamondbacks each won it in, in their fifth season or sixth season. Like Vegas is on a very short list of teams that have won a professional championship in as quick a time as they have. But you have to look at the expansion draft as a big res- um, reason for this and the rules that were put in place. So to me, it kind of cheapens to me like this whole five or six, just because the the rules seem so heavily favored towards them and against the other teams being able to, to keep certain players under lock. Do you feel the same way on that? Like, how do we view this Stanley Cup championship for Vegas? Not just in the vacuum of this season, but in their franchise existence. I think that we have the benefit of hindsight. I think with, um, you know, one thing that I've been reminded of uh, in a few different articles and places I've been listening to is when the expansion draft happened in 2017 or late 2016, 17-18 was the first season, uh, we were all under the belief that this team was going to suck. And and you look back at the guys that they had on the team, mm-hmm. you know, they added a lot of guys that people weren't that worried about. Mm-hmm. And so, for whatever reason, maybe it's just the factor that it's hockey, they were able to, to, to put those guys together and make it work. Certainly, they added Marc-Andre Fleury right out of the gate. That was a, a big asset to have. But you knew they were going to get a good goalie. It's the expansion drafts. Yep. I mean, they were going to come up with somebody decent. Now, I think Mark andre Fleury probably better than a lot of people expected, but, you know, you go down the list of, of guys that they got, um, it's one of those things that I don't think we can um, necessarily overstate. And certainly, you know, they got they got Shea Theodore, who's still on the team, uh, in, in the trading with the expansion draft. They got Alex Tuck from the Wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were able to get picks. But I'm going through the list of, of, of guys that they got through the expansion draft from other teams on, like, trades, because that was one of the things we heard, was that, well, you know, they were able to, to you know, put teams over the barrel and, you know, get better players or make moves to, you know, guys that were going to be protected. Yeah. You had Riley Smith from Florida. Okay, he was fine. Um, Shea, like I said, Shea Theodore, Alex Tuck. There's not really anybody else on this list that I'm that broken up about. I know Keegan Colasar. From Columbus, he was on this team here uh, in the uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But I, you know, so certainly it helped, and they they took the expansion draft and they ran with it. Mm-hmm. But we also just saw another expansion draft. People felt relatively good about Seattle, and certainly they made playoffs in year two. So it's not like it was a, a total wash. But right. Seattle wasn't able to do it. I, I think it was just kind of the right mix, and it's just so interesting because they had Gerard Gallant who just kind of, you know, was able to put it all together and then he ended up getting fired. And since he's uh, left, he's been nothing special. So it's just, I felt like they kind of hit the right mixture at the right time. And for whatever reason, it combusted into, you know, this really strong franchise right off the bat. I think we give a little bit too much credit to the expansion draft to say, you know, oh man, you know, uh, this was one heck of a team. And I, I, I was, since I was on this cap friendly page. So they have a list here at the bottom talking about how, how teams were comprised, comprised through the, the draft and guys that they signed mm-hmm. and then trades. And they have, I would say maybe 40% of their roster through trades. 
Okay. Another big section of the roster. This is just by millions of dollars. So maybe yeah. I'll just list it that way. They got about, you know, you know, twelve, fifteen million dollars in trade money. They got about ten million dollars in signed money. The ex- the amount that's out of the expansion draft is a pretty small figure here. Okay. I guess this is numbers of players. So ten from the trade, ten or so that were signed, and then their expansion aspect is probably six, seven players, and they okay. account for fifteen million in salary out of eighty million. So it's not. At least from a graphical standpoint, it's not as big of a as maybe people would sure. think. And I, could, I, I've had it pointed out to me that like you got to remember that when that expansion draft happened, everybody still thought they were going to be ass, and and they turned out to be pretty good. So for whatever reason, they made it all work. And I, I think a little bit of too much hindsight to say, oh man, they screwed everybody over. They just made it work exceptionally fast, and um, you know, and I don't, I, I get, yep. That that's totally fair, and I'm not trying to say that Vegas screwed over. I think it was like the the rules that the NHL set up because it, even you saw with the Seattle draft that teams kind of recognized how they had to. Pro- there was a different method to the protection of players and who they were making available to Seattle as opposed to it as to what they did with Vegas. And I don't remember how, like how it all went with Columbus and Minnesota and Nashville back in the day, but they certainly didn't have the success that Vegas and Seattle have had right away. Um, so I, I totally, I, I think you, you've made a lot of good points, a lot of fair points, and I think it's something that we have to keep in mind as well. Uh, but I do think the the way the Vegas was able to work the expansion draft with the amount of draft picks that they had, the, the, the capital to be able to move and trade some of that. I think that also has to be considered when you mention the, the guys that they traded for. Some of that is still capital from uh, from the expansion draft or the rules that were in place, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and to your point about Seattle, uh, lesson absolutely learned. We saw very few trades, if not no trades, in that Seattle draft, and there were a butt ton in that uh, one with Vegas. So GMs learned their lesson mm-hmm. in those in those cases. And I'm just now looking at because you mentioned the expansion drafts. So Nashville had an expansion draft in 1998. They were the only team in that. And then, of course, in 2020 or 20 excuse me, 2000, you had the Blue Jackets and the Wild, um, and they had the same rules that they used with Atlanta. And, uh, mm. and the Predators. And so at that point, the rules were from the NHL that teams could protect 15 skaters and one goalie or 10 skaters and two goalies. Most teams went with 15 skaters and a goalie. Yeah. Um, so I, and I know that it was a little bit different. I'm not sure. I think teams were protecting a lot less than 16 guys. I don't, I don't seem to remember quite that many, but it also wasn't. Uh, ten skaters and two goalies. So yeah, um, yeah, it's interesting to look back at what what rules were in effect for when the Wild came came in. I thought TNT's coverage for the Stanley Cup Final was very good. Uh, post game, uh, you know, pre game, post game, you know, during the the telecast, TNT has done it right. Uh, by my standpoint, the the announcers that they have, the guys, like you can say what you want to about Paul Bizanet, you know, kind of being a doofus, but I mean, he's still bring something there. I, I really like the addition of Henrik Lundqvist. I think when Rick Tockett got hired by Vancouver, 
and all of a sudden you get Lundqvist, you know, to to fill in for that seat. Yeah, he's just a natural. He's very good at it. You know, Wayne Gretzky comes on the show every once in a while, and all for you know for the Stanley Cup final. But I was really impressed. I really liked what TNT did in their first Stanley Cup final. I wonder if they were if they were given like had the benefit of watching what ESPN did and saying, okay. We know what we need to do for our Stanley Cup final broadcast this year. Yeah, I think there's a, a little bit, um, there's a little bit more room to breathe when these games are on TNT. You know, you see it with the NBA finals, and certainly um, with you know when the hockey is on ESPN. And this is no disrespect to Scott Van Pelt and Sports Center because I love that show. Mm-hmm. But when the game is over, you have this jumping around between. Well, we're going to go to the studio quick, then we're going to bounce it back to the arena. We're going to have the award ceremony. I mean, and, I, and maybe this isn't how it always goes, but you know what I mean, where yep. they're, they're kind of, they're trying to get the next show going, but also still have the coverage. There's not that with TNT. You know, they're not going anywhere. There's no hurry to get to the next thing. Mm-hmm. So you know you're going to get 30 minutes of a post game, 60 minutes, whatever it's got to be. Um, and I think the fact that a lot of these uh, pieces, you know, Liam McHugh, Anson Carter, um, you know, in the game calling Eddie Olchek, yep. uh, Kenny, Albert. Um, Kenny Albert, right? They all came from NBC. They all had experience getting reps there, yep. worked together. I think that helps greatly. Mm-hmm. I think we kind of joked early in the playoffs about uh, Wayne Gretzky not being that involved. I think it's kind of a good thing. Like, mm-hmm. if this is, he's got the energy to come in at the end of the, the, the postseason. Clearly, that's what he's most interested. So there's nothing wrong with that I, in some ways. And he's really and good. I, Don't you think? I thought he was really well, good. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I think he's good. I, I think he's good. Um, you know, he just brings a certain gravitas, obviously, because he's yep. the greatest player uh, of, of all time living. And so um, I think Paul Bizonette, I, I agree. He's there for comedic effect. He also knows the game. Yes. He, he does an exceptional job uh, with explaining things. We had the the nonsense with the Wild earlier in the playoffs, yeah. and he was right there as a big part of the breakdown in the intermission. So um, I like him a lot. I'm not a I'm not a spitting chicklets guy. I'm not a bar, bar stool guy. So I don't listen to his podcast. But everybody had said he's he's kind of a, a funny. I mean, he, he, he would be good at it, and he has been. And uh, I agree with you on Henrik Lundqvist. Um, you know, always very measured in what he has to say, and I I like it a lot. So. I just, uh, I think they've done a great job. I think they know, really, when you compare it with inside the NBA and even some of the MLB stuff, you know, that they also have for Turner. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just a really good blueprint there of what, what to do. And it's, hey, let the personality shine. Treat the viewers like adults. You know, educate them, entertain them. I think they do a great job. I, I think when you compare them to ESPN, ESPN's just got so many irons in the fire that it's, it becomes more complicated than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Nope, I, I agree. Um, and, I mean, let's just be honest. I think at this point, some of the uh, – studio personalities are just better. Now, I, it sounds like Mark Messier is a product of the, the layoffs. Or, excuse me, Chelios, Chelios is a product is, of yeah. the layoffs. Yep. Maybe, maybe Messier will be too, I don't know. But um, it's just – it feels a lot more forced over there. I know there's people that don't like Sean McDonough. I think he's fine, yep. but uh, my, some of my issues with, with, are with the other people that they have in their mix. But, yeah, it's it's uh, it's not close right now between the two networks. Yep, and I mean, I 
it really there's a significant drop drop off at ESPN after Sean McDonough and uh, Bob was choosing. I mean, both of them do very good, and I like Brian Boucher as a as yep. an analyst. I liked what PK Subban brought. I know he's a he's a bit of a different character, and maybe he's ESPN's version of Paul you know Bizanet, but. I liked what he had. I listened to him, you know, during doing several, uh, you know, five good minutes with uh, with PTI during the playoffs and stuff. So I liked him there. I would, I think, Chelios losing him. It's a name, but he didn't really add a whole lot to it. I think Messier adds a little bit more than than Chelios did. So yeah, ESPN. There's a drop off after the the top two announcers, uh, and then there are a few other things that need to get wrinkled out but you're right i think tnt's uh coverage is superior uh to them and i thought they did yeah, a I, good job i just just for the record i was not a pkc man and uh i think in a technical sense he knows the game some of that was was really good but there were some things where it's like okay you're trying too hard to beat tnt here yes like, yep the, the thing where he was spinning in the chair yep. and yep. just too much goofing off like come on yeah you know know your role um, you guys clearly know the game, um, and and maybe maybe I'm it's an unfair standard to say I'm going to allow it at TNT and I'm going to crack down on it at ESPN. But it's like you got to earn it for me, man. You got to yeah. earn it. So. Well, I mean, ESPN has tried so hard with their you know with NBA countdown and stuff, and they don't they just have no chance against well the the, the, the ESPN NBA stuff is just broken. Well, I it's, mean, it's the, garbage. It's the number garbage, yeah. the number of commercials they're jamming in. And just what they're—I mean, clearly it's a vehicle to sell ads. And Lord knows ESPN needs the money right now, so I get that. But uh, man, it is just so disjointed. It's—it sounds like it's just a mess. Especially the fact it sounds like they're going to get cut off from uh, Disney. They're just going to kind of be set a uh, set afloat on their own. So that's going to be interesting to watch how that all unfolds and how they navigate through that here anything else we need to get to either regarding the stanley cup final or the nhl season as a whole yeah i mean i think um when we got to the end vegas was a worthy champion and uh so no issues with that um i you know since we're kind of getting on our on our soapbox here i like it when the nhl playoffs are done before the nba i know it, it didn't work out this year um i don't like that these playoffs go to june anyway because i mean Let's just be honest. The cold weather sport, yep. and it's so damn hot out. I, it just doesn't, it doesn't add up to me. But um, that's that's me on my, uh, my my you know being cranky. So um, you know it's just uh, you you do kind of shake your head. You know in the prism of the wild of just uh, you know two teams that got there really in different directions, um, and the wild were nowhere close. So I don't know what's got to happen. I don't. I mean, I I still think it's kind of a dice shake situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need the dice to shake out in your in your favor, and one of these years they will. But um, we keep waiting. Yeah. So does Canada. So does Canada. Canada um, waits as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. In Vegas. And yeah. I'm, I'm gonna. I, if you don't mind, I'm gonna jam in one more yeah. little factoid oh, no, that please, was out there. Go, go Jack ahead. Eichel, the first player that apparently has made more than ten million dollars in a season. To win the Stanley Cup. Wow, wow, that's that's incredible to me. Yeah, but, yeah. So, I mean, I guess Sidney Crosby must have just been below that. I mean, you think of some of the really good Ovechkin. I, I, I find it hard to believe that he didn't 
Yeah. And maybe I have that wrong. Well, but Connor yeah, McDavid. Well, wild. I guess to win the cup. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Maybe it was just the, so. the salary that they had that year. Maybe they had made more previously. That's yeah. That's crazy. Uh, they, while I'm thinking of it here, you know, I'm just. We're hoping that the NHL is able to participate in the Winter Olympics here, uh, 2026, so a few years from now. And I was just trying to think, like, okay, I mean, we got Connor Bedard. The NHL draft is coming up. He'll go number one to Chicago. He's a Canadian, so Canada will have him. And I'm trying to think of, well, who are the great, you know, Americans that can help? And Matthew Kachuk really... You know, stood out here in the playoffs, so that's good. You have Jack Eichel, Austin Matthews, and stuff. Where do we? I know it's a few years down the line, but what do we think of where USA Hockey potentially stands as you know some of these tournaments rev up? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and I had a revelation, at least to me, a revelation a couple months ago when I was thinking about honestly with the. You hear all the time about Crosby. You hear all the time about um, McKinnon and, and McDavid, the people that are up north. Mm-hmm. But we do not hear enough about Matthews being from the U.S., playing in Canada. We don't make a big enough deal about how toe-for-toe he's probably the – he is the best player in the U.S. And we just – we don't – we just don't drive that home to the degree we probably could. Mm-hmm. I think part of that is because he has not played in the Olympics. And there's a whole generation of guys here that really have not played in an Olympics. So I, I'm, I'm eager to see that hopefully going forward that we get, we get that somewhat, you know, resolved. And um, exactly what you said, Kachuk, the way he's played, potentially could be another one of those guys. Or, or if, we, if we drafted the team today, he would be. So, um, absolutely something I'm excited about. It's just, it's an interesting thing because, you know, you can look at the men's world championship roster right now. I'm looking at it. There aren't a lot of names on here that are going to really get you fired up. Um, you know, you've got, you've got Alex Tuck. I, there's not even that many guys that are even, even NHL players that were on the world championship roster this year. And part of that is because of, it's timing. It's in April, May yep. type thing. So, um, yeah, it, it's just such a hard thing to, you know, sort of gauge when you're just flying out of blue and you haven't had a, a team in the in the Olympics in a very long time. Yep, and, and hopefully they will get it. It sounds like the NHL wants to, or at least they did before. I mean, the, I certainly think the, the China deal with, you know, COVID and whatnot, that was more of the, the issue regarding that. But I think you know, it would do a great it was great when they did it after the lockout it gained a little bit of interest in the sport and the ratings for the Stanley Cup final were overall good and the NHL playoffs were decent um so it just just keep growing the sport and I think that's the way and it's the only reason I thought of it is because you do have two of the better American players than in the Stanley Cup final we just saw Kachuk with Florida and Eichel with with uh Vegas so there is you know, perhaps some glimmer of hope with USA Hockey that they'll make a deep run should they uh, have the the NHL players participating in the 2026 Winter Olympics. So I, I just I'm, I'm looking here and I just a projection from the end of 2022 on Team USA's team. You got Matthews, Jason Robertson, Johnny Goudreau on on line one. 
Okay. We got Jack Hughes, Cole Caulfield, Tage Thompson on line two. Mm. Jack three, you got Eichel and the two Kachuk brothers. Mm. And then line four, Matt, Matty Beneers, Patrick Kane, JT Miller. Now, Patrick Kane is going to be 36. Yeah. I don't know if he's he going to be playing still in 2026. Yeah. Uh, your, your extra players, Trevor Zegris, Jake Genzel, Matt Boldy, Dylan Larkin. Uh, I mean, he's got Pavelski on here at age 40. That's not going to happen. No. Um, your defensemen, Adam Fox, Chris McAvoy, Quinn Hughes, Jacob Truba, Luke Hughes, Zach, or, uh, Seth Jones, Zach Walensky, uh, John Carlson at 34, and then Team USA, your goalies, which this is the most stacked, to me, the most stacked area for the U.S. Connor Hellebuck, Jake Ottinger, mm-hmm. Spencer Knight. Those are three that you'll ride with if you're yes. the U.S. Now, granted, he's also got Cannon on here, so... You know, Canada's number one goalie at that point would be Carter Hart, but uh, those are three guys that, I mean, sign me up right now, U.S. has a huge advantage. But two guys, you can only play one of them. Right, right. Uh, well, even those first two, like, you don't even need to talk Spencer Knight. Like, the, the, just Hellebuck and Ottinger are the, are the face. It, it'll be interesting to see, but I'm, I'm excited for it in the, the direction here that they're going. Anything else then that we that you'd like to talk about? It doesn't have to be NHL. Anything else that you'd like to to, to speak of? You know, we uh, certainly the uh, I'm just get, I just want your kind of thoughts here on the, the moves we've had the last time since we talked about the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we have no Zedarius Smith, I don't believe, since the last time we talked. Yep. Uh, the Vikings specifically. And then also no uh, no Dalvin Cook, yep. which I think we all kind of come to expect. And then there's some middle ground to be figured out about Daniil Hunter. I don't think we need to waste any time talking about Justin Jefferson. They're going to get that squared away. Yep. So, um, well, what's I, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think the only reason I will bring Jefferson into the conversation is because I think it directly kind of correlates to Dalvin Cook's release. And they have to use... And they have to scrape any money that they have to use for those extensions for Jefferson and Hawkinson. That, like Jefferson is by far the most important, but Hawkinson is a very close second for me because you gave up so much to bring him in. He's vital. He's a vital part of this offense. So you need to get those two extensions done, and I think that's the main reason for the Dalvin Cook release. They wanted to get a trade done. It didn't work out. They I would think... They wanted to keep him at a reduced salary. He didn't want that. And now you're hearing, like, oh, he wants $10 million. I don't know who's going to give that to him. Miami's been that, you know, preferred destination for him. It's been the rumor, like, it makes the most sense. But they aren't going to pay him $10 million. It may be closer to five. And, you know, then Kirk O'Chain says, oh, you know what, would love to maybe see Dalvin back. So maybe, it, it you know, Dalvin said he's going to wait and let the market cool for or he he's not ready to just sign right away he wants a good deal if he finds out that that's not coming to fruition does he go to miami for less does he come back to minnesota for what they had originally asked him to take you know in that reduction i don't know in terms of what it does to the vikings it, when we looked at this it was you know they had five running backs potentially on their roster. Like, you can't keep five running backs. You couldn't keep Nwongwu, Cook, Madison, Ty Chandler, and uh, what, McBride, who they, they drafted right. from UAB. And I think McBride can do some very good things. I'm excited to see what Ty Chandler can do. He's a relative unknown, but at UNC, he was 
you know, the pretty good back could, I think, catch and uh, run well, catch passes out of the backfield. I think you lose that with Dalvin Cook, but you also hopefully now won't have as many east-west runs and more north-south with Madison. Because Dalvin, yes, he could break it break away fast, but he had a lot of negative yard rushes, a lot of zero, uh, no gain rushes. Part of that was the offensive line, but part of that was just Dalvin's overall scheme. So I'm hoping that, or run style, I should say. So I'm hoping that that will change, but we're not going to get the home run hitting runs with Alexander Madison that we could with Dalvin Cook. So that impacts the offense to a degree, but it's not huge loss for me because, and not even factoring in the injuries. I mean, last year was the first year that Dalvin had been relatively like healthy the whole season. Before that, we've he's missed several games uh, so durability is certainly a factor. Zadarius Smith, I don't know why he wanted to get out, but he did. They get two fifth-round picks for him. That's, I think, significant because some people were thinking they'd only get a sixth round for him. So you give up sixth and seventh, you get two fifths. You can maybe push, you know, use this as a package, a package of picks next year to get that quarterback if that's what you want. Maybe that's what the Vikings are kind of gearing up for. And then as far as Daniil Hunter, keep him. He is, I, he is a vital part of this defense. I think he can be a big weapon with Brian Flores. Hopefully they can get something worked out. If not, you have to try and trade him and get a third-round pick maybe, fourth-round pick at worst. But I want him on the team. But th- those are my thoughts. What, what do you think? Yeah, I, uh, I I gave you a broad question, so I'm, I'm okay with getting a broad answer from you. I appreciate that. So, you know, I, I think, and, and part of what made me, made me think of this is the conversation from this week it was surprising to me how much of it there was online about the pro football talk Mike Florio uh, thing about the Vikings tearing it down and Purple rebuilding. Purgatory. I don't feel I, I don't feel like that's happening honestly I mean I think that um, I think that yeah they're they're letting go of some big contracts I don't feel like they're tearing it down. This doesn't feel like a team that's going to be picking in the top ten. Now, obviously, things could happen. They're, they may not. They, they're not probably going to win thirteen games, and they might even miss the playoffs if things go wrong, mm-hmm. just because they play a harder schedule and all these elements. But I'm not afraid of some of the things that are potentially out there. I'm not afraid of running back by committee. Every other team in the league seems to make it work. Yep. You look through some of the teams that have won Super Bowls lately; they're not doing it with a brand name running back. You know, it's so I'm not afraid of that aspect. I think they're wisely putting their energy into receivers. You gotta put your energy into a quarterback. And so I don't think it's necessarily over with Kirk after this year if you know circumstances dictate otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if it were up to I, I, I it was it was stunning that they brought back Madison and kind of set everything up with Cook. Because you would have thought Madison maybe was going to be the guy that get, would get cut out of it. Yes, yeah, so he was going to command more money on the open market. Like there were going to be teams that say or saw him as a oh he's a backup in Minnesota he could be a starter on our team. Yeah, and so because of that, like I'm very close to be willing to say uh, McBride Chandler uh, and the new guy from UAB McBride um, almost saying. Let's just see what these three guys have. 
Um, but we obviously don't know that about McBride yet, so I don't yep. know that we can necessarily, you know, put that out there yet. But I just I, I feel good about the running back by committee thing. I like the mix that nobody's getting running to the ground. I know that's not good for running backs. I know that it's they're not making what they what they feel like they should be making. I, I, Dalvin Cook's gonna have a hard time getting a ten million unless he's gonna have a hard time getting a ten million in any circumstance. Yes. I think even if he's even if he's waiting till the training camp and a team to get desperate because of injuries, I just is there gonna be any team that's gonna do that? I don't I don't think so. Um Zedarius Smith, I love the idea of him on the Vikings. Um, it was good there for a little while, but too hurt, didn't deliver, understand having to trade him. To me, that kind of dictates your response with, uh, with Neil Hunter. Mm-hmm. You know, you need, you need more production out of him. He hasn't been super healthy. We know what he can do when he's healthy. Unless you're going to get a first or second round pick for him, and I don't think you're going to get that, I'm not trading him. Figure something out. Um, he is underpaid. If he's, if he's producing the way he should be, he is underpaid. But it's also on him to go out and you know back it up. Yep. No, one hundred percent agree. I just am excited for that potential with the Brian Flores defense. I think that's what gets me excited for this. Like it, that's a great unknown. It was an unknown last year with the three four, the Ed Donatel, but we're like, ugh, like. Midway through the season, you're like, okay, this defense stinks, but they're winning games. This year, I'm excited because of who Brian Flores is, what he wants to do. You lose, yeah. you have a lot of guys that were lost. Secondary, you know, Kendrick's gone, um, you know, Zedarius is gone. So there are a lot of, there's going to be a lot of new faces, but I'm excited for what Brian Flores can do. And I think, I think that's what gives me a little hope for this season that the, there won't be a terrible fall-off. But like you, I don't see them winning 13 games this year. I just don't. Yeah, I, I, I still haven't pulled the trigger on betting on the Vikings to win the division. Last time I checked, it was like plus 260. That's definitely good enough for me to, to wager on. I don't see the odds getting that much better between, or, you know, less favorable for the better between now and the start of the season. I guess there could be injuries with Detroit that might change things, but like, I'm I'm willing to bet on the Vikings to to win the division. I because, like that the Vikings. Uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and and so they were. I think the Lions. I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but you know they were minus one one thirty or something like that. And then um, you know the Packers were actually the number four team on that list. Yeah. And by no means am I a Packers fan, but I mean honestly, if you if you believe in Jordan Love at all, that's something you should consider because I think it was in the. You know, plus 400, maybe even 500 range. So, I mean, I, because the rest of that roster is going to be decent enough that if Jordan Love is on his game, they can be decent. they can be really good. I think the the Vikings are in a unique spot, and I like it because yes, they're division winners. Yes, they won 13 games, but the expectations on them are lower this year. No one's expecting them to do it again, and everyone is on the Lions to win this division. The Lions have the pressure on them, and they've never really come through in that scenario, that situation. I think that the Lions will win it this year, or will be better just because they have a slightly easier schedule than the Vikings. As you mentioned, the Vikings have a more difficult schedule, so that's going to factor into how many games they win as well. But the Vikings, there's not quite as much conversation about them, and therefore not as much pressure and expectation to do stuff. So I if that's in part because of the moves they've made, scheduled, the, everyone's slurping on the Lions. 
I like that about the Vikings. They could kind of be that snake in the grass a bit this year. Absolutely. Uh, two other things I yeah. just want to touch yes. on. One, we have the U.S. Open going on as we talk, talk uh, tonight. Yep. Very excited for that. Um, I think the winner of this tournament will be a brand-name blue-chip player. I mean, it's just there's already too many of them up at the top of the leaderboard. Uh, one of my favorite tournaments every year, so very excited to see how that shakes out. The fact that they're at kind of a quirky new course, yeah. uh, Los Angeles Country Club, um, is good because they, if you look at where they're going in the next 20 years, essentially, they're going to a lot of traditional places, um, not mixing in a ton of new a new locations. So I like that this is a first-time uh, major major venue. And then the other thing I'm, I'm excited about is the College World Series. Um, I'm heading down there third third year in a row going uh, to, a, to a couple games, so I'm awesome. looking forward to that this uh, on the back end of this weekend. Will you be uh, watching Sunday Oral Roberts? Will you be going to an Oral Roberts game? So here's the, here's the thing. I'm going on Sunday afternoon, and I'm going on Monday afternoon. And we've left open Sunday night. Um, and so if Oral Roberts loses its first game, they'll play on Sunday afternoon. We'll see them. Uh, if they win their first game, which I don't know that we can rule out necessarily, they're playing TCU. That's a team they could be. Mm-hmm. Um, we may have to adjust. We may have to adjust and, and get standing room for Sunday night or something. Otherwise, we're just going to watch it, uh, you know, at a bar. Or, uh, they've got a great little village area outside the stadium that you can watch too. So I've never gone down and not gone to the game uh, for a, a particular period. So that would be new for me, and I'm I'm kind of interested in that. But very interested to see. How Oral Roberts is treated down there, um, what kind of you know interest there is uh, in them. I mean, I don't know if this is. I, I'm assuming you had Travis on. Or, yes. Yep. Yep. Yes. And did you guys discuss this at all? Yeah, we did. We the, I remarked to him that this is the most we've ever talked college baseball World Series on the podcast or on the radio there you show. Go. And large, a big reason of that is Oral Roberts, but also the Stephen Shock from Virginia. Like this guy, this guy gives great interviews. Is yeah, he, I I do like he's he's. I think he's graduated. We know that, right? Is he? I don't think he's an active player anymore. No, I think I he's kind he, of a. I thought he pitched. Yeah. yeah, I think he did, and I I think he's just kind of a college baseball personality now. I could be wrong, but okay. Yeah, so, I mean, he's for whatever whatever reason, that video went viral this year. And not when it initially happened. So that was, I don't know what happened there, but that was interesting. Cause yeah. That, a lot of people just ran with it. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's from like two years ago. Well, that's what so. I kind of wonder too, because I looked at the box score and I didn't see him pitch. I'm like, this is a little weird, but I, I kind of ran with it too. I mean, yeah I, yeah, I don't, why would it come up now then? Just because, I mean, just because people like running with something that's viral. I have, I honestly have no idea. ACC Network's the one that tweeted it out. So play Blame them as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but that's uh, bizarre. Yeah, I mean, Oral Roberts, I'm already blanking on the name, but they got the kid out of the bullpen. He's incredible. Uh, I mean, the fact that he can throw 96, I and mean, he throws like I mean, he throws like a big leaguer. And so it'll be interesting to see how they use him. They used him a lot in the first two games of the Super Regional. And he's the one guy you watch and you're like, well, he's a pro player. So I'm, I'm eager to see um, what happens there. I, and and also, you know, just they've had this incredible run. You know, now the the bracket resets. You got one more loss to play with, and 
Well, I don't think they're going to win it all. I saw they're 30 to 1 um, to win it all, which are the worst odds by far of any team. And of course, there weren't a lot of on them at the beginning of the season. So they've already made it very far. I agree with what Travis would say. It's great for Oral Roberts. It's great for Oral Roberts baseball. It doesn't mean a whole lot for the Summit League, aside from maybe getting their logo on TV a little more in this playoffs. They're the only team that invests in baseball in the conference. So yep. uh, for them to get to the, the College World Series is awesome, but I don't think it really benefits anybody else in the league uh, by them doing that. How so, does this help uh, North Dakota State football recruiting? That's the big question. <laughs> That's right. I'm sure they're getting some sort of bump off of it. I would. So. I would hope so. I would hope so. For the, they're the first four seed to make it to the college uh, baseball World Series since Stony Brook in 2012. Am I correct in that? Stony Brook, and I'm trying to think who the other the other one was that made it. Wasn't it Fresno State? Was a four, and they won the whole thing. Uh, yes. Yes, and so, and that was a while back. And somebody made the point that. You know, it, we have two examples of a four seed making it, and they've done completely opposite things. Yep. Stony Brook went, and they went 0-2, and, and they didn't play well. And Fresno State won the whole thing. So where is Oral Roberts supposed to fit in there? I don't know. I like their chances, honestly. I do, to too. At least, to at least win a game, because they have a ton of offense, and that is a hitter's ballpark. I know it's it, you know it's it looks like it's pretty fair, but you've got enough hot days that the ball can really fly. Mm-hmm. And then they have... Decent enough pitching. I it's not going to be good enough. I don't think to win the whole thing or even get you know to late in the tournament. But uh, it's good enough to get them a win. Uh, so or maybe two wins. So I'm eager to see eager to see that part. Um, but it's exciting for them. Uh, it's exciting to, to see new blood there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it, this does now put a spotlight on the fact that Coastal Carolina. Won, won the national title what five six years ago they barely weren't a four seed they must they were a lot better than i remember yeah. so um yeah and and uh, it's just fun to be down there it's fun to kind of take it all in it's a very it's a pretty neutral thing but uh we've got let's see we've got florida lsu tennessee are there any other big or uh, sec teams that i'm not thinking of but right, that, the yeah teams, so tennessee florida lsu are out of the out of the sec you got Virginia, Wake Forest, the number one overall seed, which is baffling to be like Wake Forest, a baseball yeah, school. Wake, Wake Forest is incredible too. They, yeah. my goodness, they're and they're incredible. Honestly, I would, I kind of thought that maybe it'd be an LSU Wake Forest call it like championship series. That would be what I'd like to do. Travis mentioned that LSU has a couple of very high prospects that'll be taken in the draft this year, like top five. So yeah, and, I, the, and the Twins have the fifth pick, so it's worth watching that. Yeah, and I wish that they would be able to meet in the, the championship, but that obviously I don't believe will ha- can happen because they're they're in the same um, region. But that would have been cool to or in the same bracket. I would have liked to see that. I think Oral Roberts. This is not a fluke. They were the best team in that Stillwater region, and then in the Super Regional for you to. Get off the mat after giving up an 8-0 lead, uh, losing game one, to come back in game two because they were down in that one, and then take care of Oregon in game three. This Oral Roberts team is for real. I think they can they can get through. They could certainly beat TCU because not like even TCU hosted last week. They were in Terre Haute, right? Weren't they playing Indiana State? Uh, TCU was home because Terre Haute could not host. Oh, so that's, uh, one of the, that's one of the main reasons Indiana State's not there, I don't think. Uh, yeah, TCU... TCU's a good team, but they benefited from the chance to have that at home because Indiana State didn't look like the same team. Now, granted, 
you know, they rode the home crowd that first weekend. So maybe, maybe some steam was running out of Indiana State. But that was a big story last week because Indiana State couldn't host because basically Indiana's big Special Olympics thing is only that Indiana State, and apparently there weren't any hotel rooms. So. Yeah, Indiana State people were kind of bothered by that. Oh, I would be too. Uh, you know, the, the one year that Indiana State's got a really good baseball team, ranked 14th in the country. And that, I, who are you picking to win? Because I guess I would say it's going to be either Wake Forest or LSU, whoever comes out of that bracket. I, I'll go with Wake Forest, but no, you know what? I'm going to go LSU. I'll, I'll go LSU in a minor upset. I like that. I, uh, I have a couple things I'm rooting for uh, at the at the at the uh, yeah. College World Series. One being uh, that on Monday, now I, I would love to see Tennessee make a run. They're kind of one of my favorite teams, and I kind of like them, especially because a lot of people in college baseball don't like them because they're pretty cocky. But well, I like, it, I've always liked Tennessee. They're kind of my SEC yes, team. So you love Tennessee in general. Yeah, so. I do. And so I won't be bothered if they lose and I see them on Monday um, before we leave town. So I, I'd be okay with that. And then, so that fits with your LSU thing. I think Wake Forest is going to win that bottom bracket. Stanford, I mean, they're, they're there because uh, Pop-Up got lost in the lights, in part. Yep. Uh, Stanford's a really good team. They've been there a bunch, but I don't see them as national championship caliber teams. So I like Wake Forest in that bottom bracket. I like them to play Florida in the, uh, the final series, and I like Wake Forest to win it all. I think Wake Forest, Florida is kind of the biggest, that's the most common pick I've seen so far, but... Um, certainly Virginia. I think Virginia, Florida has the potential to be a really good first round game. So I'm eager to see how this all shakes out. And, um, you know, it's, it is just a fun thing to watch. I, to me, it's one of those things where I don't have to know a lot about the teams. It's just fun to watch. Yep. And some of these games have been really good. Um, ESPN has done a nice job with the coverage, the squeeze play thing on ESPN Plus. They bounce it around to the different games. That, that was really fun. Last year, I recall the Jello shot thing being a massive. Like Stanford didn't have very many people taking Jello shots at this one bar, and Arkansas and yep. Ole Miss fans just absolutely doused it by the thousands. Like it was incredible. Yeah, Ole, Ole Miss, Ole Miss finished with like nineteen thousand. Yeah. yeah. So, I, can you find that bar and can you keep tabs of this Jello shot deal? Like, who do you think will win the Jello shot? Because it's uh, is this going to be an LSU or I mean. It's not going to be Stanford. We know that. Oral Roberts, no. I doubt TCU. Virginia, no. They're, they're too um, Whovillian uh, to uh, do that. It's got to be an SEC team. Uh, it's LSU, Florida, or Tennessee. Would Take your pick. Yeah, I, I like LSU. Uh, LSU is the team that, when I've been down there, um, they last year was the example of um, – LSU was not even in the tournament, and they had people sitting in the parking lot tailgating, just hanging out because they they block out a week every year to go up there and hang out. And you know, they I don't even know if they were going to the games that day. They were just in the parking lot eating and watching the games on TV. So um, now you mentioned the Jealous Shot Challenge. It's at this Rocco's, and it's it's literally right across the street from the stadium. Okay. Uh, I've never been in there. We've driven. We walked past it a bunch, but. It's usually packed and stacked. They do have a Twitter page. It's it's uh, CWS Shot Board. Okay. And as of three hours ago, we're talking on Thursday night, that they've started the competition today. So LSU is the big leader right now, 123 shots. And then second place, TCU at 47, Florida at 40, 
uh, Tennessee at 28, and Oral Roberts out to a decent start there at 25. Wow. So, uh, and then at the bottom of the pack, Stanford at three. I would expect I would expect Stanford to be probably last place because I think yes. the locals and the neutrals just for uh, you know giggles is going to put Oral Roberts. They're going to make sure Oral Roberts doesn't oh, finish yes. last. Yeah. Um, and, and so this yeah. is one of the, this is like this is my third year going. I have we haven't I haven't gone there before. I want to go in there and potentially buy a shot. They are five dollars this year. They were four fifty last year, and they are five dollars in part because last year Arkansas and Ole Miss bought so many shots that Rocco's ended up doing a food bank drive, and they donated to the winning. They ended up donating to both cities, but they donated to the food shelves in those towns. And apparently, the extra fifty cents is going to go towards the Omaha food shelf. So a little bit of a good cause going on there. So. Well, they I'm, make so much I'm, money I'm gonna, off of I'm it. I'm likely to do this. I'm going to find the board, and I'll, I'll send you a picture. Thank you. And I'm also, I'll probably put it on Earl Roberts' column to to try to keep them out of last place, well, I would say. Uh, don't you have to? I mean, it's Summit League. we got to stick together, right? <laughs> That's the only sol- Summit League solidarity thing I believe in, is the shot it's challenge and keeping them out of last place. Oh, so. yeah, that that's great. It's great cause. And, I mean, it's not like Rockwell's isn't making a lot of money off of it anyway, too, right? Well, exactly. So. Yeah, and, and apparently they have some sort of machinery that uh, basically it makes these automatically, so that's that's a way to try to keep up. And um, Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm eager to, to at least check it out. It's, it's a fun, fun event to go to one of those things that when i moved to south dakota i said i really want to go to this it's only three hours three and a half hours for us to get down there and so uh, i'm eager to go check it out if my math is correct they would have made over a hundred thousand dollars last year in jello shots or a hundred thousand dollars just on, just on, on old miss right yeah or just like if you factor in old miss in arkansas like right it, it it's over a hundred thousand dollars I guess we don't know what the cost to make it all was and stuff, but a, so we don't know the profit. But a hundred thousand uh, dollars in in Jello shots was was sold. That's yeah, incredible. and I, I mean that's yeah, they, and that's that's not counting anything else they sell. I'm sure right. they sell plenty of beer and all that other stuff. So yeah, and I gotta think that you know ten days across from the College World Series Stadium probably takes care of a lot of the revenue for the whole year. Oh, so. for sure. For sure. Um, final thought here. Uh, Danny Cannell dumb, sent some dumb stuff about on Twitter about, oh, it must be nice being right down the road uh, for Oklahoma's softball team, you know, winning the, the Women's College Softball World Series because it's played in Oklahoma City. Uh, the Oklahoma campus is 34 miles away. He's like, oh, you're playing in your own backyard, blah, blah, blah. It's a dumb thing to say. I mean, he's, he's angry in part because they beat Florida State, his alma mater. But also, it's not like the entire tournament is played there. You have to still play to get to Oklahoma State. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe Creighton or Omaha have ever made it to the to the World Series uh, in in baseball. So it's not like this is a big deal that you know it's right in their backyard. So shut up, Danny. Bad takes. Bad bad take. I uh, I didn't know who started that. I just saw people. Uh, talking a little bit about that discussion, and I I didn't think much of it because I I come back to the standpoint of yeah you have to make it there you got to win you know what is it you probably yeah, I think you got to win five games to get there at least if mm-hmm. not more and so it doesn't make a lot of sense to me um, I think it probably is sour grapes 
And it's only a problem because Oklahoma's really good right now. Oklahoma's won three straight national championships. They would win that many if it was being played on the moon, right? Yeah. So what are we what are we that freaked out about? I mean, they were so clearly the best team in the country. They've lost, what is it, you know, one game in the last 80 contests? I mean, it's yeah. just... It's insanity. So fifty-three um, game winning streak. They should win the SB for best team this year. It's going to go to the Kansas City Chiefs. But it, it they should have won it last year. But Oklahoma softball absolutely should win it this year. You know not to care about the SBs, right? I so, know, but then uh, just saying they should. <laughs> if any, if there are real sports fans out there who understand this, they would know that it's Oklahoma softball. Do they still have people vote on the SB winners? I don't. I, it's been such a long time. I don't. You know that used to be a big thing. You used to yep. see that. ESPN Magazine used to be on the web. I, do they yep. still do that? I, I honestly don't even know. I think so. I think it's a fan yeah. vote. I think maybe that's like the lone fan vote now, or one of the few fan, fan votes. But it, it's SB. I think it's more of a fan. Thing. I don't know. It, yeah. I believe though that that one at least is voted on, and Oklahoma softball did not get the respect they deserved last year. They should get it this year. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a it's it's only a discussion because Oklahoma's this good. Oklahoma would win it anywhere, and you know, I think there's a lot of the same elements that you see in Oklahoma City as you see in Omaha. People like that it's in the same place every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's well supported. I think Oklahoma City's kind of got on board of, of understanding we got to keep, uh, we got to make the stadium as good as we can make it. We used to have a lot more temporary bleachers and that sort of thing. And it seems like they've kind of brought that up to speed. So, yeah. you know, I don't see a reason to move it. It's in the center of the country. And uh, Oklahoma has an advantage, maybe because they're really good. That it's not because the games are being played yeah. thirty minutes down the road. And I mean, Oklahoma, um, you know, their home stadium I think seats less than three three thousand, and they were getting a bunch of money to, uh, to to build a new one. So, and even then, they're only going to build like a forty five hundred seat stadium. So, you got to keep it in perspective of what it all is. Um, I maybe I'm wrong. I don't really see. When I watch those games, it's not like it's just overrun with Oklahoma fans. Like it seems like there's at least some neutrals, and yep. I, I know they have a home home field advantage, but it's just it's kind of ridiculous. And to go back to your to your point, Creighton has made the College World Series one time in 1991, so uh, so there is that. Well, Nebraska a, used to make it a lot, and they don't they don't anymore. But so. what a what a what an advantage it is for the College World Series to play right in their backyard. Uh, it literally is their home field. Creighton plays there. During the season, and yeah, yeah uh, I don't think it really matters. I think it's okay. Yeah, so Danny Cannell can shut the hell up. Um, <laughs> just, just idiotic. And, well, and that also tells me that Danny Cannell, he knows it's June, and he's got nothing else to talk about because we're still a couple months from college ba- or college football, and he just is looking for something to, uh, you know. Well, he's got bad takes yeah. all across the board, and we know common sense is lacking from many, uh, many people in this country here lately. So, uh, well, you're not wrong about that. Yeah. Uh, well, I hope you have a great time at the College uh, Baseball World Series down in Omaha. Uh, you know, cheer on Oral Roberts if you want. Uh, go, go Vols, go Orange. Uh, have fun at Rocco's if you can get in. Get a Jello shot to put it on Oral yep. Roberts tab. And uh, have a good 4th of July, and uh, we will be talking. You know, I always enjoy our conversations during hockey season, especially the NHL playoffs. Uh, very much appreciative that you always uh, make time for me in this podcast during the playoffs, and love having you on. And uh, you are our resident soccer expert, so the Women's World Cup is a month away, and we'll, we'll have to make some uh, carve out some time to talk about that here as it approaches and throughout the tournament. 
That sounds good. I, we were talking a little bit about it before we started, and I'm, I'm being informed that uh, a lot, it seems like a lot of these games are at night, but maybe we can accommodate, uh, they're going to accommodate U.S. audiences a little bit, so hopefully we get a chance to see some of these games, but I do have to brush up on you know teams 25 through 32 because uh, we've added these teams, so that's going to be... That's me challenge. I'm well, going to be perfectly honest. Let me you. tell so. you, Zambia and uh, Vietnam, those are the teams that I'm watching for this year to maybe <laughs> score two goals. Two goals! That's all I'm asking for. Uh, this is its a little ridiculous. And why are we making such a big deal for U.S. fans? It's not even like they're the most important team. Well, I guess they are the, for the women, yes. It, I would hope you were doing it because yes. it's the women and not the men. Because if it were the men, pretty sure like France and England would be a little bit bigger draw. For the women, it makes a ton more sense. Absolutely. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, Very good. Well, I look forward to that. Uh, have a great time, though, we'll, and we'll talk to you in about a month, my friend. All right. Take care. Sounds good. Thank you, Marcus. Marcus Traxler joined me, Sports Block Podcast. A lot of hockey talk, and then we talk Vikings, college baseball, World Series. Tons of fun. I always appreciate Marcus coming on, and he will be joining us as our resident World Cup expert here when the Women's World Cup begins at the end of July, July 20th, I believe is the start date. And with that being said, that wraps up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. You can find this podcast available on podcast.com and on iTunes. Just search the Sports Block. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken. Marcus is on Traxler. Er, Marcus is on Twitter at Marcus Traxler. Travis is on Twitter at Travis Krenz. A link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. Have a great rest of your week. Enjoy the College Baseball World Series. NBA and NHL seasons are done. Congrats to the Denver Nuggets. Congrats to the Vegas Golden Knights on winning their respective sports championships. And with that, have a great rest of your week. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. And we will talk to you next week on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast.